We don't just report on fringe science, spirituality, claims of the paranormal. We take part ourselves. Yep. When they make the claims, we show up so you don't have to. I'm Ross Blotcher. And I'm Carrie Poppy. And you won't believe it, but we're back on the Sting Dang Ark. We've set sail. There's no sail. No. Well, hopefully you've been following us thus far, and you know that we are just wandering about midship, mm-hmm. looking at all it's the not stuff a ship. that there is to see. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Barge. It's a barge. So if you're just joining us, you might want to go back. You could join us here if you want, but... I recommend going back to ARC Part 1 and seeing the context here. But basically, it is a roadside attraction in Kentucky run by people who don't believe evolution happened, but do believe that the Noah's Ark story of the Bible did happen exactly as written in the text. And they want us to believe that too. And Ross went. That's why they built this barge for us to wonder about. So now we are hopping back down to the second story, the second deck of the Ark, if, if you will. I will. And so as we walk out of that little theater area, mm-hmm. now it's kind of like a... Which the theater area is called like Noah's Theater. Noah's Interview Theater. Yeah. Because okay. they know they're going to be playing that film until right. Jesus comes back. They <laughs> don't plan on putting anything else in there. Okay. On loop. And so as as everyone's exiting, and there was a good crowd. It was you know, like, I'd say, 100 plus people. Now everyone's done watching this movie. So they all proceed down on the port side of the boat so, okay, so the theater is on the, in the stern side, so it was a stern film. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so now there's a, a whole new set of exhibits on this second floor of the Ark. Okay. So this is on the opposite side of the pre-flood debauchery and the creation. Oh, all that metalworking. So much metalworking. Yes. There's going to be a little bit of metalworking on this side. Oh, evil. So immediately to your left, as you're walking out of the theater area, there's this kids' spooky animal encounters. Okay. I guess for kids, it's fun. I saw some kids <laughs> running around, and there's just there's a bunch of crates, and you kind of run between them. It's sort of like a little labyrinth. Looks like the Monsters Inc. ride. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah, definitely themed. And it, a lot of these crate covers you can open up. It'll say like, open me. Mm. And then you'll open it up and it'll say something like, can you make this face? And there's like a picture of a gorilla or a bear or a, a dinosaur making a certain face with its tongue out. And then the kids are supposed to look in the mirror behind the door and make the same face. Hmm. Fun. Almost suggests we're related to them. <laughs> right. Yeah. You can move your face in the same way. Mm-hmm, Interesting. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Common, faces, common faces creator. <laughs> oh, yes. Or faces developed through similar pathways. And there's little questions around like, what do animals do when Noah's family is sleeping? And you'll walk into one area and press a button and light will shine inside of this little opening in a crate and you'll see a brightly lit, is that a weasel? I think that's like a lion cub. I took it more as like a... Oh, okay. Maybe a meerkat. No, what's the word? A mongoose. A mongoose. Something like that. Anyways, and then there's a touch the skunk exhibit. I don't know. You put your hand in and touch the skunk. There's dramatic lights. Oh, this was interesting. There was like a lemur and it would have kind of glowing eyes, but then all of a sudden, like every now and then, a bright green light would shine behind it and you'd see the outline of this lemur. 
I don't know. I guess it's just hmm. to distract kids for a while if they're yeah, tired. Yeah, the spooky elements kind of throw me. Like, I like spooky, but I'm just sort of not sure why it's employed here. Yeah, why are we creeping out kids yeah. with the nighttime animals all of a sudden? I don't yeah. know. Uh, oh, nighttime animals. Okay, right, right, right. I guess that's what they're yeah. going for. Okay. And then there's projections of animals scampering by, like this dinosaur I'm showing Carrie. Looks cool. Yeah, the theming feels off. It really felt like, well, we've got a lot of extra space here. <laughs> What do we do? Well, it feels kind of creepy in here. Maybe the kids will be tired. Give them something to scamper around. Yeah. So I promised you there would be more animals. And sure enough, according to the map, there are animals in cages. Oh, right. Before it was small animals in cages and selected larger ones. Now we've got the biggest collection in the arc of just animal kinds. They're not trying to be comprehensive. Okay. They're not trying to include every kind because that would take the whole arc. Sure. But... You're supposed to extrapolate in your mind. Yes, they could have done it. They could have fit every animal kind on the ark. And so they've given... If we weren't here. Like, we're not... If we weren't taking up space... Exactly. we got it. Okay. Exactly. With our elbow room. <laughs> our theaters. Our scaring kids in the dark. <laughs> right. So there's representative kinds that they've chosen that tell certain stories or help elucidate certain points. I'm showing Carrie this bank of four different cages side by side. They're quite tall, taller than the animals in them. And you have the alligator kind. They put a caiman in there, which, yep, looks like an alligator. So we've told you about some of these animal enclosures before. The sign will tell you what kind it is, its status, whether there's living descendants, like how many genera are still extant, or if they're supposed to be extinct, presumed extinct, they say. They never fully rule out that the animal's still somewhere. And then they give you some little like factoids and sometimes they're making a little point from the Bible or they're refuting evolutionists or sometimes it's just a fun little fact about the animal. Mm, Okay. I thought it was interesting that the sign mentioned for the alligator kind that crocodilians include alligators, crocodiles, I don't know, three other words I'm not familiar with, diplocodonts, gharials, and planocranids. Oh wait, there's another pristicampsids. Anyways, the sign says they may be one created kind, but I love this. Ark Encounter researchers Mm. separated them in their estimates just to avoid underrepresenting. We want to make sure if we have to err, we're going to err on the side of more animals, Mm. not fewer animals. But I thought that was interesting because crocodilian is an order. So they've kind of gone one up from the family level. Mm. Uh, Again, kinds don't cleanly correspond to anything. Yeah, it doesn't seem like there's such a definite line with kinds that they would need to be doing this footwork. Right. So I think they're just, again, trying to be generous and say, let's turn these five different subgroups into five different kinds Hmm, rather than making them one. So then we have the hyena kind, and it's about what you would think. There's a little factoid that they were originally classified as dogs. Okay. Then we have this kind of refrain where they'll give us animals we're used to, and then they'll throw in the cynognathid kind. Cynogathid? That's an N. Gnathid? Yeah. Oh, cyno... Cynognathid? C-Y-N-O-G-N-A-T-A. H I D. Say that five times fast. C Y N O G H A C N I L. Sinonated. I'm going to say sinonated. Okay. I'm going to imagine that that H is just for fun. So that's uh, presumed extinct, and it's a uh, non-mammalian synapsid. So one of these uh, 
stem mammals, proto mammals, early like pre mammals that of course would have never ever lived anywhere close to a human. We're talking like 250 million years. No, old. it lived with Noah. Well, clearly, because yeah. here it is hello. on the ark. Hello, Ross. Pay attention. So it, it kind of looks. Oh, cool. Uh, they thought it might have whiskers, so they made it with whiskers, and it's got kind of a like maybe like an otter. But it kind of looks like those creatures that were being sacrificed in that picture on the other side of the ark. Yeah, yeah, they're weird looking. I mean, it, it looks very, I mean, science fiction-y. Or something you would see in a textbook of early transitional creatures. You know, mm. We say transitional, everything's transitioning to something else, but not mm. something you would see today, that's for sure. Then we have the pachycetid kind. And that's the one that most people, if they've heard of the Pachycetus, they know it as the early ancestor of the whale. Oh, okay. That I have not heard that. Eventually uh, wandered off into the water. The main giveaway is that it has like an inner ear structure that's very similar to that of the cetaceans. So they have like a little dedicated sign kind of making fun of that whole idea. It says, do these look like whales? It's conceding that Yes, we agree that some animals can change quite a bit. Mm. Like they talk about a New Zealand bird called the kakapos. Kakapos? Oh, yeah. I think I've heard of that. A flightless parrot. And they Mm. say, yeah, it probably had ancestors who could fly. So we allow for that. But this seems a bit extreme to say that this thing eventually became a whale. Okay. Probably a totally different kind. I'm sorry that sounds absurd to you, Ken Ham. I don't know what you want me to do with that. One of the greatest weaknesses, the sign says, of the pachyceteids to whales idea is the lack of evidence. The changes necessary for converting pachyceteids into modern whales are extreme in particular a flood of change contrived from only a few drops of evidence. Even a cursory glance reveals that pachycetids and other supposed whale ancestors were quite unlike modern whales. You know, for accusing other people of being scoffers, yeah. these people can really sort of poo-poo a whole idea on a <laughs> sign and just move on with yeah. like no real reason to do so. I would say that is the essence of sort of scoffing and dismissing. Mm. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. Fair point. As we've mentioned before, they're very happy to include any findings of science that fit nicely within their model. Sure. They'll point to that and be like, yeah, we accept that. That's great. Uh, But then anything that doesn't easily like, well, that's, well, obviously ridiculous, obviously wrong. Mm -hmm. We don't even need to analyze it more than saying that sounds dumb. Yeah. Yeah. Usually not even sort of a, well, here's what they were looking at, the inner ear structure, and they feel that that's similar. You know, they're not even going to represent it that much, Mm -hmm. like where the idea came from. I'm just mm-hmm. like, come on. Can you imagine this thing being a whale? It's like three to six feet long. You know, it's a good moment, though, to think about how that feels on the other side. Because sometimes you and I will engage with these questions and people will be like, well, why are you even entertaining that? And it's like, well, because of how this feels on the other side. Like oh. <laughs> when, yeah. when you really think something is true and someone just saunters by and says, well, that's stupid. Mm-hmm. So you don't get anywhere. Oh, good point. Yeah. Thank I like, you. I like it. Thank you so much. And then we get another one that it's hard to pronounce, the thylacosmolid kind, also presumed extinct. Uh, looks like uh, saber-toothed cats. Kind of cute. Look at that. Oh, okay. It took a second for my face to make sense of it. My eyes. Cute. Yeah. yeah. Kind of looks like a koala mm-hmm. and a prairie dog. Meet a saber-toothed cat. 
Yeah, cute. You know what? It's kind of like if my cat, Golly, and my dog, Ella, had a baby. <laughs> Let's hope they don't. Yeah. I've got it. They're too perfect already. Yeah. Well, yeah. that kind of that kind of evolution doesn't happen. <sighs> no. Cats stay cats and dogs stay dogs. Right, right, right. Also, there'd be too much perfection in the universe then. <laughs> Uh, apparently, they are in the same group as marsupials. So, I guess oh, you're, there you you're go. right to see the koala yep. resemblance there. I petted a koala in Australia. Whoa. Mm-hmm. That's cool. I've never yeah. petted a koala. Their fur is like drier than I expected. It's more oh. kind of wiry. And, okay. Yeah. Like bristles. Yeah, like bristles. Almost. Almost okay. like bristles. Not quite. But Interesting. Yeah, you're in the right ballpark. A platypus is my favorite animal, and I've never actually seen one in person. Oh, wow. Because they're. Right. Yeah, they're really difficult to keep in captivity. Okay. And they need like a very specialized environment. So, yeah. yeah, If you're a platypus and you're listening to this show, Ross would love to meet you. So if and when I I get to Australia or Tasmania, I'm going to want to find me a platypus. There you go. Bring Ross to Australia. Then we've got these spiny looking dudes. Oh, yeah. Cool. Some kind of reptile? Simosuchus kind. Yeah, they're crocodile-like reptiles, and their name means the pug-nosed crocodile. So these are presumed extinct. So yet again, just trying to get us familiar with seeing all of these animals that shouldn't be in the same context together in the same context together. Now, I have a question, Mr. Bible. Yes? One of the big problems seems to be getting all these animals to go onto the ark, corralling them all, getting them to stay. Are we going to deal with that? Yeah. Does anyone deal with that? Uh, We can ask Noah later. He will give us the answer to that. Oh, okay. Good, good, good. He he will say it to us. Okay, good. (laughs) So hold on to that question. I have a guess about the answer. He's he's sitting down the hallway and to the left about uh, (laughs) 25 feet. Okay. I'm going to guess the answer is some version of God did it. Okay. Yeah. Guess noted. Okay. Uh, then we get to the macrocanid kind. There's two eyes in that nid at the end. Macrocanid. Wow. Yeah. yeah. All, the, all the people who work in like paleo uh, zoology are just <laughs> cringing as we butcher these names. So do we know which of these are real? Yeah, they're all real. They're all real. Okay. Yeah. As far as I can tell, none of these are made up animals. It's just that they've been surveying history And deciding which ones got on the boat. Yeah, and if anything feels suitably atavistic, has early features, they'll say, okay, well, it's just another one of this kind, Mm -hmm. and that's fine. It's all right if this thing gets a longer neck and grows Mm -hmm. an additional toe. That's fine. but Because it fits into some mental category for me, Mm -hmm. guy evaluating this. Correct. Okay, great. Or a research team, an Ark Encounter research team, which gets invoked regularly. I mean, but can't I just be like, no, my intuitive sense is that the kinds are different than that. This isn't that kind. Wouldn't that just disrupt everything? Yeah, it'll be difficult because you'll have a hard time really comparing notes. Yeah, Um, so so subjective. Yeah, they're happy to borrow from traditional biology all the time. So they'll just grab something that's already been named by someone else. But as I've mentioned, there's a special study coming up, like an ology that they've come up with. Oh, right. And we're going to encounter that right across the hallway here in a bit once we've looked at these animals. So then we get to the Silosaur kind. Okay. And I thought, oh, finally like a real dinosaur but no these are not true dinosaurs 
They are part Ooh. of Dinosauriformis. Whoa. So, yeah, they if you saw They're, them scampering around the woods, you'd be like, oh, look, little dinosaurs. They're blue. Yeah. Looks like Avatar. Yeah. They're about like the size of chickens, uh, mm. but very skinny. And yeah, mm. they kind of look body-wise roughly like a tiny velociraptor. Very cool. Then we've got cattle kind. We all know about cattle, including buffalo, bison, certain antelopes. So the one in the cage here looks like a little antelope. And we've mentioned before, like, these are really nice sculptures. They look mm-hmm. amazing. A cantaloupe is considered cattle? Uh, <laughs> to these people, I guess? No. No? And a cantaloupe. Yes, I said a cantaloupe. <laughs> I want to know I whether think- a melon is considered <laughs> like, well, a cow to Is Carrie playing a joke? <laughs> no, <laughs> sorry, I'm an, ant- an antelope. Certain antelope, apparently. Okay. And it's funny. Is that right? I kind of trust them on things like that. That if, they've at least Googled it? Yeah, yeah. That if they say antelope, that. Antelope, cattle. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I feel like they don't give short shrift to the spending time on the internet piece of this. Like, mm, I feel mm-hmm. like they're doing that fine. So the progenitor of all extant cattle and buffaloes they've made look like a little striped antelope-like creature with horns. Huh. Yeah, they're in Bovida, yeah? Okay. okay. All right. There Interesting. you go. Great job, Ark. I learned something. Yeah. All right. We've got the Antelodont. They look like pigs. They were once considered to be pig relatives, but they've decided that they're different enough to okay. get their own kind. Yeah, they look like hairy pigs. Boars. Yeah, boars. Yeah. You know, I really don't get anything out of animals i can't recognize interesting yeah like if you feel like you've never seen it in the real world yeah you're like you're just a made-up thing (laughs) no i don't think i got quite that tone about it but but yeah i mean i get i i just can't relate to it and find it cute like some people will see a made-up creature and be like but it's so cute theoretically and just like nothing happens in me you know what i mean i'll i'll hang (laughs) <laughs> but but like it's not going to do that little like do thing because I need to be like you're like a cat okay. that I've seen in my life. That's interesting. There's probably some deep insight into Carrie there. Yeah, perhaps. Whereas for me, I am far less likely to make that jump in the first place to be like, oh, so cute. Uh, like, right. I don't have quite that same uh, reaction. So when I see these prehistoric animals, like, oh, you are another animal. Okay. Very one, interesting. One time you and I were at LAX together and I went, <gasps> and you looked around and you were like, where's the dog? Yeah. And it was. It was <laughs> me seeing a drug sniffing <laughs> only oh, yeah. drug sniffing dog at the airport. Who is an officer special... <laughs> and they do not want you petting him. <laughs> they had a special noise for him <laughs> and you knew it. That's so funny. Yeah, that's true. I've learned that about you. Yep. Only one thing can make you intake air <laughs> in that way. My ex-boyfriend, Craig, from many years ago, yeah. he was so jealous of my reaction to dogs, my categorical reaction to oh. dogs, that he took a picture of a corgi and superimposed his face on it and was like, can you just make that reaction to me for once? Here's a picture and of you me recoiled as in a horror. dog. <laughs> No, that was funny. Okay, all right. No, still like this isn't as cute. That's funny. The dog's I, cuter. Come on. There's rhinoceros kind, and there's like a very I don't know cute looking small pair of oh yeah, that's cute. Wait, th- but weird looking, right? What's it? What's wrong with it? Well, no, they always have short legs. I don't know. It looks like closer to um, what's that creature that kind of rolls up in a ball? Like an armadillo, like a pillow, almost. Really, oh, oh, an armadillo. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But it, like without the scaly stuff. So they always let you know, as well as all these other little fun facts, they'll let you know uh, what 
representative we're looking at. So this is the Trigonius. So it's probably some early now extinct antecedent of rhinoceros mm. and they've represented it here so yeah it, it looks rhinoceros adjacent this is where they have and i know we've mentioned this before there's a little sign underneath it saying were unicorns on the ark and mm, they're saying they? they're saying how skeptics you know like to make fun of the fact that some bible translations namely king james mention unicorns multiple times and they say come on it's obviously it's referring to a rhinoceros even though some translations say it's like a wild ox or a bull mm. or something like that and they pointed hmm. to a specific reference deuteronomy thirty-three seventeen, saying that it implies that one horn is larger than the other so i looked hmm. i looked up that verse tell me if this description makes you think that one horn is larger than the other okay his glory is like the firstling of his bullock and his horns are like the horns of unicorns. With them, he shall push the people together to the ends of the earth. No, I, I got that it was multiple horns, which makes me think, okay, not a unicorn. Yeah, but where is the implication of one that being longer one than the other? Yeah, yeah no. Okay, it's and not just me. And what does he use them for? To push people around? Yeah, to the ends of the earth. They, Rude. They liken it to two tribes of Israel. Uh, okay. Yeah. I'd, I'd, huh. Every now and then I'll look up one of their scripture references and be like, eh. Seeing what you're you seeing. Yeah. yeah. Usually, like, I'll get lulled into a false sense of complacency because usually they'll put in the effort to, like, yeah, yeah, make solid trust. Pump. Yeah. <laughs> right. But I have to remind myself, no, check it out. Yeah. 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 No, I mean, that's a good impulse. But yeah, I mean, at some point, it's like you can't be reading, just have your phone out the entire time. Exactly. Yeah. yeah you can't double check everything. Another feature of these animal cages. Mm -hmm. is that you've got various members of the family. So they'll have a life-size model of, in this case, it's one of the wives of the sons. Oh, whoa. I thought that was just a photo you took of a like a woman on the oh, ark. I really yeah. did. Yeah. <laughs> wow. So she's uh, kind of upstairs and there's a ramp leading <laughs> over the cages and she's got a wheelbarrow that she's moving around, presumably to like drop some food into their funnels that feed them. Wow, believable woman. Yeah, you see them multiple times in different places through the ark, so presumably they've just kind of moved along and now they're with you because like I saw her earlier when mm. she was, they were praying, you know, downstairs together so she'll show up later because there's only eight people, right? So yeah. you, you got to use them multiple times. That makes sense but would drive me insane. I'd Wait. be like, I saw you, you were over there. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh, you moved fast. <laughs> yeah. My boss did that today. She came oh, up yeah. and saw me having a conversation up on the second floor like common area and she's like, wait, you, you were just down stairs i just saw you there what's going on i ran up ahead of you our friend matt used to live on our block and i would if i was walking ella at the same time he was walking his dog scooter i would hide and jump out at him <laughs> and uh so it just it became like carrie appears in my peripheral vision sometimes yeah. in my life Real fun gag. And then you are motivated to manufacture that moment. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I was mostly hiding, yeah. <laughs> hiding and jumping out. Very good. So then we get to the giraffe kind. So we've talked a lot about giraffes. Mm -hmm. And this is where we finally get these short-necked giraffes. Yeah, so okay. They've, they've this got, is important to them. Oh, very important. Yeah, they've thought this one out. And because there is the extant okapi that is a relative and part of the same kind, mm -hmm. and it has a short neck, they figure, okay, well, we're going to depict a giraffe with texturing like a modern giraffe and mm -hmm. kind of a similar very short mane. But we're going to have it be with a shorter neck length so it could be a credible ancestor of both. Yeah, it looks like a pony. So the representative here is Shansitherium. Actually, now I'm kind of curious if that is a recognized animal that has the shorter neck. So let's check out Chancetherium. 
Cool name. Okay. Yeah, I'm looking at some artistic representations that come up and a skeleton. And I think the neck's a little longer than what we see in that display, but... Okay, yeah, it looks like a caribou. Okay, so it is a giraffid. Uh, So legit. Okay. Okay. But I maintain that it's uh, strange that they make such a big deal out of this and then they have the uh, topiary giraffe with a long neck walking onto the ark. Mm, Right, right, You think they would have been like, okay, buddy. You're not allowed to Do this again. Yeah. Oh, right. Yeah. Talking to the giraffe or buddy, the the name of the guy who created the topiary. Oh, I see. (laughs) (laughs) So they knew that people would have questions about this. So there's a little sign under the giraffe kind sign that says, why is the giraffe's neck so short? And they explain all of these points. Also, they let us know that uh, giraffes have split hooves and they rechew their food. So they would have been clean. There could have been up to 14 giraffes on the ark. That means people could eat them? Yeah, and kill them for God. God. Yep, Um, that's who. Cool, I guess. I mean, if I'm getting on the ark, I want to be unclean. Then they're really invested in saving you. Yeah. Making sure you survive the ride. Right. Because, yeah, if you're like, "Uh uh-oh, I'm surrounded by a lot of other things that look like me. Oh, shit, what does that mean? Yeah, you don't want to be innocent in God's world. (laughs) Hmm. Yeah. Huh. Because clean is like innocent pure, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. In this context. Okay. So, So God specifically wants... The nicest people and animals, the ones that he considers the most pure to die for him when he doesn't need that. He just likes it. Interesting. Well, at least animals. I don't know about people because the evil people are getting wiped out. But like there's the whole Abraham and Isaac. God says, daddy, you kill baby. Mm -hmm. And then he is willing to do it. His faithfulness makes God call it off. But it still sort of implies like, I wanted a little newborn baby, like the purest, most innocent thing. Yeah. And Jesus was the lamb, the spotless lamb that took our our place. Yeah, that's a good point. And it's interesting. weird God. Tim Chafee, when writing in the back of one of those Noah books, like he'll do at the at the end of his story, he'll have like a little deconstruction of like, well, here's what why we introduced these elements. And and he actually talked about that sacrifice and was saying how kind of similar to how Noah knew that this was all coming. So that gave him certain it, it influenced like how he acted because he knew the outcome. Mm-hmm. He was saying that Abraham similarly mm-hmm. knew that God had already promised that Abraham would be the father of many nations. So he finally gets this son. Of course, God's not going to let like he might even bring him back to life. So I'm just going to do whatever God told me because he's already made his promise and God keeps his promises. I don't buy that. One wit. Why would you even ask? Like, yeah, you, you love me. Yeah, how much do you love me? Are you willing to kill this person that I made that you'd been waiting for your whole life? You love me that much? Yeah. How awful and manipulative yeah, is imagine that? Imagine if this were a cult leader story and like David Miscavige is like, I'm going to protect you. All the days of your life, Scientology member, you're one of us. We want to give you a perfect life. Just kidding. Kill your kid for me. (laughs) Aw, I was just joshing. You know I'm going to take care of you all your life. We would be like, this person's just doing crazy mind fuck shit. Mm -hmm. Get out of there. Yeah. Yeah. These are good points. David Miscavige is the leader of Scientology, if that metaphor didn't work for anybody. But I always wonder, like, how perfect is it that Noah's sons just happen to marry women who are so upstanding that they're like the only one in their family that needed to be saved? Oh, right. I mean, they're probably just saved by association. I guess so. women matter? Is that how evil came back into the world? Because they weren't good enough? Oh, maybe. Or the sons weren't good enough? I bet all the women wanted to eat fruit. 
don't they know. all wanted an education. Like the world immediately relapsed into sin and debauchery. Mm. So strange. Right. So strange. Not a long-term solution, this flood. Yeah. It's just a reset button, as Teal Swan would say. <laughs> yeah. The flood Man, the was a reset thing. button. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's so ugly. This whole story is so ugly if you think about it for a while. It really is. Yeah. yeah. This yeah. whole ding-dang thing. You've got horse kind. Got to have horses. Yeah. And that okay. in, that includes donkeys and zebras. You've got... Zebras are cool. So are donkeys. Sure. These look like uh, little zebras. Pretty cute. That kind of coloring I'm always kind of fascinated by. Mm. Like calico cats and yeah. stuff. How that stuff happens. Bright, the patterning. Mm-hmm. Totally. Did you know almost all calico cats are girls? I did not know that. Yes. What? Yes. What? They can be male, but only if the father was a, um, I can't think of the word, a, the the males who are born with like extra chromosomes. Oh. Kyla, anyway. Yeah. That cat can have a male offspring who's a calico, but baby. it rides on the X, X chromosome. chromosome. Oh, mm-hmm. interesting. It's basically like a tuxedo cat and an orange cat, their genetics coming together. And then if the result is a female baby, then it's likely to turn on just the orange and just the black. That's cool. But if it's a male, then far, far, far less likely. Okay. Yeah. Very good. Chrysalis? Or is that the thing that a butterfly yeah. makes? Okay, that's, that's not it. I know that one, but yeah, I've never that's heard this That's not it. I'm not looking it up, people. I want all of the emails. Yes. Yeah, everybody's Chiron? independently. No, that's the bottom. That's your name on the bottom <laughs> of a screen. Chirality. Cr- no, that's handedness. Cr- creme de la creme. She's Googling it, folks. Only one out of every 3,000 calico cats is male. Whoa. Yeah, says vetstreet.com, and I don't have time to figure out if that's true. So I bet uh, that's a premium animal, people are like, that want a calico male. Mm-hmm. Indiana has a cat named David Bowie who's one of them. Chimera. 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 Oh, yeah. I just couldn't think of the word. Very good. That's it. Whoo. We did it. Yeah. We okay. made it, Carrie. All right. Okay, so this is exciting because now we finally reached the first cage with a true dinosaur kind. Okay, okay, here we go. There's been so many things that you would look at and be like, oh yeah, it's a dinosaur. But then like, and they'd well, be te- like no. Technically it's a synapsid or some other thing. Yeah. This is yeah, stegosaur. We've heard of that. Look, there it is with its spines and everything. And it lets us know like these are made of keratin. And yeah, it gives us just these little fun dinosaur facts. Nothing too controversial. Is there a difference between stegosaur and stegosaurus? Well, stegosaur is the kind. Stegosaurus would be the actual animal. Though mm. the ones that they've included in the cage here are Hesperosaurus. But, you know, if you saw them, you'd be like, oh, stegosaurus. I probably wouldn't, but I don't know my dinosaurs at all. So, yeah, we got a dinosaur. And then we get another one, the Spinosaur. Oh. So this one definitely. Whoa. Yeah, look at all those. Very Jurassic Park. Yeah, it looks like um, like a plant with thorns running along the back of it. You would not want to pet this thing. Great thighs, great legs, <laughs> real gammy. Thank you, Carrie. <laughs> I appreciate that. I've been doing squats. I mean, definitely looks like it would run well. Yeah. Oh, no kidding. Yeah. And then you got Tyrannosaur kind. Okay. Yeah. There's a lot of animals on this arc. They're very tiny Tyrannosauruses. Oh, they're little. Okay. Then there's a special sign under that Tyrannosaur uh, kind sign. Okay. To ask, what did the Ark's carnivores eat? So this is a question that oh, had yeah. come up earlier. But yeah, essentially the, the mystery they have to solve is that all things were created vegetarian, of course. Right. Because there was no death before man's sin. Uh, but this was after that. This is after that. So what they're puzzling out here is... How soon after that did everything immediately eat meat or was it a slow transition? Mm. 
So they're saying it's possible some of these meat-eating dinosaurs and other creatures were still herbivores at the time. Okay, yeah. They're still like, I was raised a vegetarian. It's creeping me out. I don't know. But certainly they could have also just like lived without meat. So they're, they're pointing to precedent and other creatures that can live for a while without meat. So maybe they could last a year in the ark without meat. Okay, okay. Or maybe they eat some of those extra spare giraffes. I don't know. Mm-hmm. It's so funny which problems they see as like definitely an issue. <laughs> we need to deal with this. And which ones they're like, I don't know, like probably they ate something else. Yeah. I don't know. Move along. Yeah. I think whenever there's a hint of a scriptural errancy, like mm-hmm. some sort of conflict, they're like, okay, we got to nip this one right in the bud. Yeah. yeah, yeah. We're going to put a lot of thought into this. Ark Encounter researchers. Right. <laughs> unite. Right. Come together. We're going to figure this out. But if it's just a problem that Ross and Carrie are going to be worrying about in episode eight, let it go. <laughs> right. There have been modern examples of animals normally considered to be carnivores that refuse to eat meat, such as the lion known as Little Tyke. Oh. I looked this up and yeah, there's this <gasps> lioness who would just refuse meat and look <gasps> disgusted if you try to give it to her. No way. Little T-I-K-E? T-Y-K-E. T-Y-K-E. Little Tyke. Maybe I've heard of people having like meat aversions. Maybe yeah, it's sort I've of like a genetic too. thing. Mm-hmm. The story of a gentle vegetarian lioness. Oh, <laughs> did she live very long? I don't know. <sighs> she it looked like she was pretty big though in the photos. I saw. <sighs> what an angel. Well, I'm going to buy her book. Okay. <laughs> she wrote a book. Well, a human wrote it about her. Oh, okay. It was Probably. A, it was a collaboration. Probably. You know what? I shouldn't say that. I don't know. <laughs> so the last paragraph on this sign says, however, if some of the Ark's animals did eat meat, there are several methods of preserving or supplying their food. Meat can be preserved through drying, smoking, salting, or pickling. <laughs> Imagine these uh, Thanks, guys. T-Rexes eating pickled <laughs> Pickled Aaron. pig's feet. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, man. Yeah, this this feels like an oversight on their part. I feel like I need them to deal much more with this. Mm, get your researchers back together. Mm-hmm. And I'm not satisfied. Solve this. Wait, they give you a little more info here. Certain fish can pack themselves in mud and survive for years without water. These could have been stored on the ark. Mealworms and other insects can be bred for both carnivores and insectivores. Yeah, but then you have to still make sure that you've still got two left and that nobody dies. And <laughs> it just seems like a real headache. Yeah, we're riding on a razor thin rail. But, you know, if they die, maybe that's how that animal went extinct. They they never say that here or admit to that. But it's just a fun thought that maybe... Uh, you know, some oh, of the some animals went extinct on the ark. I mean, I've seen that implication made before, but it's not made on the ark. Sure. Encounter. Yeah. I'm like, oh, shoot. The guy died. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. no more Stegosaurus. I yeah. Guess. Okay. Now we're, now we're leaving the dinosaurs again. We get the Calicothera kind. I don't Calico, know. Calico, I'm listening. C-H-A-L. Calicothera okay, kind. Okay. But yeah, it looks like a sloth, like a giant, Whoa, giant sloth. Oh, cool. Okay. Carrie likes this. <laughs> non-existent animal <laughs> well no longer existent animal. i mean it really just looks like a sloth yeah 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 i know what a sloth looks like okay. so i'm down with it okay <laughs> then we get the stalekerid kinds joseph stalin <laughs> this is one of those ones that looks like a made-up animal like uh they even say on the sign like oh it looks like something out of sci-fi because it's got these big tusks kind of coming out the sides of its mouth huh and it looks triceratops like Oh, whoa. Yeah, that would be really hard to make friends. Mm. (laughs) He's got like knives coming out the side of his cheeks. Yeah. Oh, man. Mm. Don't make a quick move in a sandwich shop with those. (laughs) 
really, really impale someone. Yeah. Okay. So uh, this was another one of those synapsids. And that weird looking tusk creature is being fed through the cages with some, I assume, parsnips by one of- White carrots? One of the young ladies on the ark- Kezi, that's who it is. So I think Ham's wife. Anyways, she's feeding him. And so she's their life size. So they do have ham on the ark. That's right. They do have <laughs> ham. Yeah, correct. And then finally, the last caged animal is the Rebaccasaur. Re- Rebecca. Yeah, Rebaccasaur. Rebecca-saur. Okay. Presumed extinct. This she is sounds nice. A low-level grazer like Behemoth. So here you have another dinosaur, and it's uh, kind of assuming that the description in Job 40, I remember being really excited by this when I was a kid, that you have the behemoth and the leviathan described in Job 40, and they could be dinosaurs. That could be what they're Mm. describing. And I remember pointing this out to people and reading through it with them. Look, it has a tail like a trunk. And people try to say it's a rhinoceros or an elephant, but they don't have tails like trunks. Was the excitement, I'm going to be able to prove that the Bible... Is veridical, or where do you, what do you think the excitement was? It's a lot of the uh, here be dragons on the map kind of thing. Like, whoa, there's a mystery here, mm. and and like one of them is fire breathing. Like, whoa, yeah, maybe it's a dragon. Maybe they were real. Uh, okay, so it's just this kind of like undiscovered thing that I don't have any other access point to. There's no other way to verify it or unverify it, but I believe it because it's in the Bible. Okay. So these are just these kind of long neck dinosaurs with sort of like uh, almost duck bill like mouths. Yeah, he looks like a vacuum. There we go. A very efficient vacuum. <laughs> I like that idea. They just like put a bunch of grain pellets on the ground. It's a very like Hanna-Barbera. Mm-hmm. Like I, that would be a cartoon of an animal cleaning up. So there we go. Now we have walked through all of the animals on the second floor in cages. Okay, we did it. So are that, there going to be more animals in cages yet? No. Okay, that's we've, it. We've seen all the animals okay, in cages. Okay, we've seen them. Woo! Okay. Sad. But then on the other side of this hallway where we have all of these animals. <gasps> I see what's coming up. To our right, there's a special exhibit called Animal Kinds that just really wants to hammer home the whole synthesis about kinds and what they are. Okay, we're going to finally define kinds. I'm sure it's going to be clear. It's going to be specific. Mm-hmm. It's going to be usable. Scientific. Mm-hmm. That's right. So Falsifiable. There's, I think, four different displays of these are animals the same like really cool looking models but instead of seeing them behind like these wooden slats Mm -hmm. now you're seeing them in a glass display case where they want to make a really important point with each of these animals okay so first we get the canids yeah buddy that's your doggies this thing that looks kind of like i don't know like a fox ancestor (laughs) okay (laughs) it's close enough that carrie already loves it (laughs) yeah it looks like a fox mixed with like a skunk and Mm. a lemur Mm -hmm. Yeah. It definitely feels like not something you would expect to see out in the wild. Like I would be surprised, but it's similar enough to stuff I see. Yeah. You you say skunk. Yeah. It has this like really long tail, kind of like a skunk. Looks like Mm -hmm. it might lope like that. But then behind this, there's a display on a big blue circle that shows lines coming out of it and different animals that all came from the same pair of two ancestors that were on the ark. So you've got the bat-eared fox, the black-backed jackal, the African wild dog, the raccoon dog, the poodle, the bulldog, the gray wolf, the red fox, gray fox, 
bush dog. They all came from this same hmm. ancestor. And okay. all you needed was two on the ark because it wasn't clean. I, I got to hand it to them, at least in that all modern dogs from Chihuahuas to St. Bernard's all come from like the same Chinese wolf species within mm-hmm. the last 15,000 years, mm-hmm. which is a real testament to selective breeding and selective evolution when you've got like a human involved. Yeah. Um, and, and our, I mean, we could do many hours on this, but like our companionship with dogs has been like a critical part of human development. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's a good example that, yeah, you can have very quick phenotype changes in an animal population, especially when you got humans monkeying around. Yeah. And it's but fun- what if we just called them kinds instead and moved on? <laughs> yeah, sure. Do you think of that? That ends the conversation for sure. <laughs> they're accelerating that even more. Of course, they're saying it's not within the last 15,000 years. They're saying it's all oh, within the sure. last. 4,500 years. Of course. um, 15,000 years doesn't even happen. So point kind of taken... Kind of taken, but not fully taken. Uh, Sorry, what points kind of taken? The point that dog kinds can change a lot in a relatively short amount of time. Oh, sure, sure. You can get a lot of diversity. And this, I don't know, this doesn't feel like it makes a case for this. It just sort of asserts it, you know? Yeah. All the dogs came from this dog. I'm like, okay, I don't know. Disagree? What do you want me to do here? Oh, yeah. So I'll read a little bit from the sign underneath it. So the figure in this display case is modeled after the extinct canid Hesperoscyon over 160 fossil specimens have been collected. It's so funny. They're always willing to admit how many fossils have been found of something when it fits within their model, Mm. but they'll kind of leave it out when it's something that they like a transitional thing that they don't like. Over 160. How many is it? Yeah. How many is it? 162? (laughs) Tweet at Carrie to find out (laughs) if that was a correct statement. I will let you say over a thousand. That's, mm. a, that's about where I'm okay. where I draw the line on this. So they say modern wolves, jackals, foxes, and other dogs belong to the family Canidae. Since the members of this family can interbreed, they are considered to be of the same created kind. This means that all post-flood canids descended from the members of this kind Noah brought with him on the ark. Canines are the only living canids. But historically, there were at least two other major groups, the later of which were the bone-crushing dogs of North America. Damn. Whoa, didn't know about the bone-crushing dogs <laughs> of North America. They're looking them up. Yeah, that sounds like a good uh, story. <laughs> Gary has eyebrows firmly up. Borophagus hilly? Yeah, that sounds right. Oh, my God. They look so mean. Um, okay. Yeah? Well, look, the National Park Service has a whole page about them. Whoa, yeah, that's a fierce dog. Yeah, he's got a big old bone. He doesn't look happy about it. But you better um, not try to take it away from him. No, an extinct genus of canids, dog-like carnivores who are members of the Canidae family. Um, it was once a diverse and prominent group of bone-crushing carnivores in North America. Um, at the Hagerman fossil beds, this genus is represented by fossils of the species Borophagus hilly. Presumably there were two of those or something like them on the ark because they consider that a separate kind. Interesting. But it was useless because they died off. Yeah. Eventually they died off anyway. Oh, yeah. Where's the dodo? Uh, probably on the ark. Yeah. I guess we didn't see all the animals. I, I would imagine they would concede that animals could have gone extinct before the flood if they went extinct yeah. after the flood. And they showed people like poaching animals and being evil. So you think they would just kind of easily grab onto that and be like, oh, yeah, that's one of the things that made the pre-flood humans so evil is that they killed 
so many species. Mm-hmm. I, I feel like that would be consistent, but I never got any indication of that, that they could identify an animal that they would say that went extinct before the flood. That would be a fun question to ask them if yeah. uh, given the chance. Ken Ham, we want you on this podcast. Yeah. Or, Give or, us a call. Or Tim Chafee. Yeah. Or Tim Chafee or anyone from the ARC. That really. is the one question we'll ask you. No, I'm going to ask you a lot more questions. Okay. Carrie will have other questions. <laughs> That's the only one I need to know. Ross just walks away from the microphone and out of the room after that. So they do the same thing with a cat. So they've got this representative cat. Oh, we got a kitty. Okay, here we go. Very cute. And this one, if I saw it in the woods, I'd be like, oh, yeah, you're real. I believe. Yeah, it looks like a a lynx. From this one kind of spotted cat, we get Smilodon, Clouded Leopard, Fishing Cat, Ocelot, Lion, Cheetah, Lynx, Serval, Caracal, Domestic Cat, African Wild Cat. There you go. All of those Mm -hmm. came from two representatives on the Ark. Okay, I guess if you say so. So there's no lore about the dogs or the dog-like creatures being helpers to Noah or anything? No, Hmm. it was certainly not represented here, and I don't recall hearing that. But again, that would be consistent. I don't feel like they would. Yeah, that's interesting. There's only two of those left, but you're like, ah, you can come out of the cage and hang out with us. Yeah, I mean, you know, when you think about like farm life, usually mm-hmm. the dogs are really the exception. You know, you've got like your cows and your pigs and blah, blah, blah. But the dog follows around the farmer and yeah, helps we- with wrangling and everything. That's just kind of how. That's a really good point. You domestication think domestication happened. No, it would be like, hey, God, I know it's not clean, but is it okay if I bring on like some more dogs? Yeah. I could really use they'll them. They'll help. I mean, yeah. I mean, like this is how domestication happened is like we needed this help. Okay. Now I have two questions for Ken Ham. Okay. <laughs> In the same area. There is a little interactive display that has a grid of nine squares and they're in columns where you can kind of spin them around. And so there's pictures pictures of different animals. And so like a tic-tac-toe board on a playground, Mm -hmm. you know, one of those that you can spin around the different triangles. Lots of people touching it. Now, this was during the pandemic. Yes. So we got a lot of touching going on here. But I guess, let's see. Let's see. That was May. Wasn't too deep pandemic, Mm. but kind of. Not too We're coming out of it a little bit. Yeah, because there were now vaccines available. Yeah, medium pandemic-y. I really would want to know, like, the percentage of people who were uh, vaccinated on the arc. Yes. Uh, I think guessing it's low. low. I think it's probably around Ross percent. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, th- when then when you spin these around so that you match up three animals that Noah would have brought into the arc, then there's a little checkbox above it that glows. Like, oh, fun. You did it. You uh, realized that Noah did not need to bring on this uh, mosasaur that can swim underwater. You know, he didn't need mm. to bring this insect. He didn't need to bring a flower. So those won't light up until you get the right animals. Clever and fun, interactive for the kids. Wait, flower. Hang on. That just set off a whole different thing for me. Seeds can survive a flood. Yeah, seeds can survive a flood. Yes. Uh, okay well after the flood god could also just repopulate everything yeah so why doesn't god just repopulate everything why does he need noah for any of this yeah was creating the animals that hard that he can't just like recreate animals yeah just do it again yeah just do it again yeah as far as we know he rested on the seventh day and then just kind of like hung up his hat yeah it's like he's just been sitting there ever since asking for i'm out of ideas This guy, God, if you're listening, we want you on the show, and we have a lot of questions. Yeah, I have at least three questions for him. Yeah. (laughs) Good, 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 good. 
Uh, I have over four questions for him. So here is a display. I'm showing Carrie this kind of mural of a bunch of uh, animals standing around the ark. So this sign was very exciting for me. It's pretty. Yeah, yeah. It's a it's a lovely painting of all the animals. I assume walking toward the ark. This is not, yeah. This is them going in. Uh, it has us imagine what the earth was like before the flood. How the environment might have been different. The air might have been different. Uh, but then it gives us some stats here. How many species are there in the world today? Interestingly enough, they cite a 2014 estimate. They say that there are fewer than 1.8 million documented species of organisms in the world. But when I went to look that up, the number I was seeing was more like 8.7 million species that are alive today. Hmm. So, yeah, I feel like they were looking for one that was smaller because they want there to be fewer species. It makes their job of filling the ark with all species oh, right. easier. More believable. They say over 98% of these species are fish, invertebrates, and non-animals like plants and bacteria. This means that there are fewer than 34,000 species of known land-dependent vertebrates in the world today. Okay. So, you know, just trying to make Noah's job a little easier there. Yeah, still too big a job, but Mm -hmm. a little smaller than it could have been. Uh, So then there's a little question about which animals were brought into the ark. We've talked about that quite a bit. But yeah, air-breathing, land-dependent animals. Oh, right, air-breathing. That's important. But then I saw this, which really excited me. What is an animal kind? Oh, great question. Oh, yeah. Please answer that. Let's define this eight episodes in. Okay, here we go. An animal kind, or baramin, from the Hebrew words for created and kind, is a group of related animals not related to any other animals. The study of... Wait, oh, okay. A group of related animals not related to any other animals. Oh. The study of created kinds is called... Baraminology. <laughs> so that's okay. B A R A M I N. So baramin, that's the word that the Bible uses to describe these kinds, essentially. Okay. So they've made it into an ology, baraminology. Okay. So I read this amazing article on the National Center for Science Education oh, yes. website. And we've talked to Eugenie, Eugenie Scott, Scott before. She used to be the, the head of that group. Yeah, they do good work. Now they're kind of mostly focused uh, not only on evolution, but climate change mm, uh, and fighting textbook makers and school boards and yeah pseudoscience in american textbooks for the most part yeah which is a big problem pseudoscience in children's textbooks is a huge problem in the united states how scary is that yeah so uh kick some dollars over to the national center for science education yeah they do good work Uh, eugenie scott recently uh commented on one of my facebook posts and i got all excited oh lovely and then she was like you dumb idiot i hate this post i feel like i would have remembered if she said that (laughs) oh actually it was about the arc and she wrote i I've been there. Oh, whoa. Yeah. Well, maybe we should talk to her again. I'd love that. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. Always love talking to Eugenie yeah. Scott. So this is a great article and it really, it gives them a lot of, not credence, but like it takes them seriously, the Brahminologists. And it yeah. just kind of like breaks down the evolution of this thought. So the term Brahminology comes from Baramin, which was constructed from the Hebrew root words bara, created, and min, kind by creationist Frank Marsh in 1941. It's also okay. been referred to as discontinuity systematics. <laughs> uh, Barominologists consider the Barriman to be a taxonomic rank 
corresponding to the created kinds of genesis. Intelligent design creationists are interested in baromenology as a way of quantifying discontinuities in the tree of life and as a boundary between macroevolution and microevolution, although they tend to shun the term baromen and prefer the term basic type, perhaps because it avoids religious implications. You know, those uh, intelligent designers are always trying to like just skirt the fact that they're talking about God. Right, right. And creation. It could have been any God. Yeah. It could have been any creator. Yeah. It could have been aliens. Sure. Whatever. We don't really believe that, but we don't want but you. But it could. We don't want you to think we're religiously motivated. So I think the conclusion at the bottom of this page is uh, is amazing. It says, Despite its use of computer software and flashy statistical graphs, the practice of baromenology amounts to little more than a parroting of scientific investigations into phylogenetics. A critical analysis of the results from the one objective software program employed by baromenologists suggests that the method does not actually work. The supremacy of the biblical criteria is explicitly admitted to by Wood and others in their guidebook. Mm. So all their claims of objectivity notwithstanding, the results will never stray far from a literal reading of biblical texts. Yeah, I will give the baromenologists credit in one area. They are upfront about their motives and predisposition mm-hmm. and true to their biblical criteria and methodology, which is more than can be said about the intelligent design proponents. <laughs> yeah, okay. Anyways, it, Echoing a sentiment we've made, yeah. If you're interested in the concept, it's a, it's a fun article. Interesting. Yeah, this all just strikes me as so annoying. If I'm, <laughs> I mean, I, this isn't my particular wheelhouse, I guess. Like, mm-hmm. I'm not an extremely learned biology guy. Mm-hmm. Um, just average learned, I guess. But if I were, if taxonomy were my thing, yeah. it would be so annoying to to me if someone was like actually the whole thing that you developed is wrong and this thing that i made just that's like slightly different and has slightly different (laughs) names is right i would be like oh what are you doing why are you doing that yeah yeah this is so annoying right it's such a subtractive process that wants to take credit for your work whenever it's convenient and then uh-huh. at the same time call you an idiot right. uh, when they fly in the face of your well-reasoned arguments yeah yeah, it, it yeah is- it's reminding me i won't go off on a tangent but i i have my my parallels in the mm. in the behavior sciences oh. of ways people do this that are, like drive me batty where i'm like oh cool so we did all the real work for decades <laughs> and decades but and you uh, leech came you, along right you like read a couple sentences figured you understood and made a whole new system out of it. Well, great. Glad you're here. <laughs> yeah. Happy for like you. That. Yeah. They, they made another really interesting point in that write-up talking about how the baromenologists are all seeking to find ways to identify gaps and say, oh, well, you couldn't do that. That's a, that's a hill too far. That's a, what is a road too far? That's a, a bridge. Bridge. That's a bridge too far. There's no way you could possibly have this microevolution link up with this mm. microevolution therefore we are cleaving the line here and saying haha we have found a gap and that isolates this group we are calling a kind yes so yeah it's just this later process where they come in and figure out where they can uh, achieve their pre-conclusions mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. yeah anyways that floored me i saw that sign i was like baromenology <laughs> what what is this what is that i never heard that before yeah me neither yeah that made my day and there was evening and there was morning <laughs> Oh, by the way, Ross, is it? I'm Ross. I have to tell you something. Yes. Did you know there's a man named John B. Goodenough? <laughs> Johnny B. Goodenough. No, I didn't know that. Yes. And 
Here's what's notable about him. Okay. First of all, there should be nothing, right? Yeah. There should be nothing notable about him. I've heard a lecture by an Ursula good enough, so I know that the name exists. These people need to stop giving lectures and being important. You had one job, and it was to be good enough. <laughs> you cannot you also be interesting. Excel. John B. Goodenough uh-huh. has won a Nobel Prize. That's more than good enough. You had one job <laughs> from the day of your birth and you biffed it. John B. Goodenough, come on the show. <laughs> we have over three questions we'll for you. We'll still talk to you. Yeah, I have at least eight questions for him. I don't know how to organize my question asking. <laughs> God, we have two questions. John B. Goodenough, we have eight. <laughs> <laughs> so, no, no, Ken Ham was two, and okay. God was at least three. Okay, okay, great. So then there's another kind of mural that shows all of the animals after they've left the ark and just asks you to empathize with how hard this uh, new land would be. Everything's different. Everything's reformed. The world you knew has gone away. Uh, okay, great. But there's a little <laughs> sidebar poster attached to that that really goes uh, hard on evolutionary theory. So this sign says, observable processes show speciation within kinds, not evolution of one kind into another kind. Okay, So, so you say. So you ready for their takedown on natural selection? Yes. Natural selection. Oh, I see. It is one paragraph. Can't wait. Here we go. Yeah, yeah. Here we go. Natural selection is an observable process in which creatures possessing specific traits survive better than others in a given environment. Okay, that's right. Agreed. While commonly promoted as a driving force of molecules to man evolution. Okay. Now, yes. (laughs) You've tried to make it sound as silly as possible. You're poisoning (laughs) the well there, but okay. Natural selection cannot bring about the changes required to turn one kind of creature into another. Says you. Natural selection is only able to act on pre-existing features, and contrary to popular belief, it cannot create new ones. Okay. Uh, Not in one animal, probably, but over a long time with their descendants. Yeah, the long time thing. That's... uh, Yeah, you need a long time. You need a long time, and they say you don't have a long time. Yeah. So we've got to reject it categorically. We do. Well, you might say, what about mutations? Yeah, what about mutations? A mutation is essentially a permanent change to the DNA of an organism. Mm -hmm. Evolutionists Mm -hmm. consider random mutations to be the primary means of producing new genetic information. However, the vast majority of observed mutations have negative effects, and the mutations that are either neutral or somehow beneficial still do not add the information necessary to transform one kind of organism into a totally different kind such as dinosaurs evolving into birds not in one individual exactly no one's saying it happens in one individual yeah of course not it adds a little bit of information that changes your body in just such a way that you interact with your environment in just such a way that you survive (laughs) or don't survive and then you have kids or you don't and then those kids have kids and then they've got this new genetic mutation that carries on and then yeah. new information gets added and it happens over a really long time. This is it feels like the talking point I hear most often from people that really sticks with them like what about beneficial mutations? Okay. And they really feel like they've done some heavy lifting there when they <laughs> like when they what about that? Challenge you to you know, produce an example of a beneficial mutation. And of course there's many examples and then you give them they're like well no that, that was something that already existed in the gene pool or that didn't change what kind of animal it was. Well yeah that's never going to happen in one generation exactly that's true and also let's think about why we look at genes in the first place of course we mostly single out the things that have harmed people Mm -hmm. that's 
That's called medicine. Like we <laughs> look for the things that are killing people. We start there. We triage the situation and say, okay, let's figure out what's similar about these people. Oh, they have the same genetic mutations. Let's mm -hmm. focus on those. Let's learn a bunch about them. Let's put a bunch of money in that. So yeah, of course, you're going to have this library's worth of information about the worst possible mutations yeah. and not very much about the best ones. That makes sense. And everyone agrees that most mutations, yes, are bad, mm -hmm. but there's been a lot of time and a lot of mutations and sometimes they're helpful. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, they mm -hmm. add up. I'm thinking of like the the talking point that they'll usually utter in the same breath, which is they're like, what good is half an eye? Mm. And I love in uh, Julia Sweeney's <laughs> Letting Go of God, she says, well, it's half as good. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yeah. Her boyfriend says that to her. Well, what good is half an eye? And at first she thinks it's great wisdom. Yeah. She thinks about it a minute. And <laughs> she's like, wait, <laughs> I bet it is about half as good. Yeah. yeah. She's right. It's even better when someone with glasses makes the point. What good is half an eye? <laughs> yeah. I don't know. What good is your eye? <laughs> 93%. Yeah, yeah. And then after natural selection and mutations, they have another little paragraph about other mechanisms. Other mechanisms are often cited that supposedly contribute to the evolutionary process, such as sexual selection, founder effect, and genetic drift. No one has demonstrated that these are capable of producing the vast amount of new genetic information required to change one kind of creature into a completely different kind. Oh, okay. Great. Thank you, Sign. You're welcome. So then we get to another. So we've seen the cat kind and we've seen the dog kind. Then we get to Pongids, the great ape kind, which obviously they've got to deal with this because, you know, great apes are a little awkward for creationists. Mm -hmm. Why did God choose mm -hmm. to create something that looks so gosh darn similar yeah, to humans? Yeah, just like me with bad posture. Yeah, with... It's interesting. Every time I see a comparison of humans and chimpanzees, I see a different percentage of their shared genetics, mm -hmm. but it's always in the high 90s. Mm -hmm. So whatever it is, yeah, they're very much like us. So mm -hmm. um, this, I feel, is like them saying, hey, we're not afraid of chimps. Or we're going to put one <laughs> we in We ain't afraid of no chimps. Yeah, exactly. We're, we're going to put a ponget in here. So we see, okay, uh, we've got bonobos, pretty. gorillas, orangutans, chimpanzees. Australopithecus, they put that in the category because they mm. want to deal with that specific Interesting. example. Okay. Oh my God, it would be so amazing if as you're going out the ark, there was just like the Neanderthals in a cage. <laughs> 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 the large animals in cages. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. W at what point do you put like uh, Heidelbergensis in a cage? Or <laughs> like, yes, Heidelbergensis, yeah. exactly. Which uh, human ancestors do you first put in a right. cage? Well, Australopithecus, Lucy. He's going okay. in a cage. Yeah, I want to see that. Yeah. Put your money where your mouth is, Ark Encounter. <laughs> yeah, that's fun. They have a big display about that at the Creation Museum. About Australopithecus? Uh, about missing links okay. and how they categorize them. Mm. So uh, we will encounter this. But uh, they say Pyrilopithecus, I'm not familiar with that one, is popularly considered the ancestor or near ancestor of modern apes and humans. But the Bible teaches that the first man... Adam was formed of the ground and made a living being when God breathed into his nostrils. Furthermore, the Bible teaches that Adam's sin in the Garden of Eden first introduced human and animal death. This means that death and by necessity evolution could not have taken place prior to Adam's sin. Apes and humans are therefore different created kinds. Some will point to ape men as proof of our non-human ancestry, the problem with this claim is that all of these supposed missing links are best identified in one of the following ways. 
fully humans, fully non-humans, or frauds. Oh, okay. Once trumpeted as proof of human evolution, Piltdown Piltdown Man. Piltdown Man! I knew he was coming. I knew he was coming. And and their other favorite, Nebraska Man. Oh, I'm not familiar with Nebraska Man. Another Easier to say. Yeah, yeah, another noted fake. And yeah, both of those were in my Bob Jones textbook. I remember having those as talking points. Okay, full stop. Hang on, listeners. Screech over to the side of the road. If you only ever hear me say one thing, don't make shit up. To tell bigger truths. Mm. It's such a bad idea. Mm -hmm. Everybody does it all over every single field. And we gotta stop it. Don't lie for Jesus. But also don't lie for Charles Darwin. Yeah, don't lie for the thing that you believe in the most. Don't do it. It blows up on you. I remember the other one that they would always harp on was the... Ernst Haeckel drawings of the developing embryos and that he exaggerated certain features to make his point. And uh, mm. that was in my textbook too. And yep. uh, people always talk about it. Yeah and, yeah. and people will talk about those things till the end of time. If you give them them. Yeah. You've got, don't your, do it. You've got your George Santos's in every generation that just, I don't know. Who take, that is. Oh, he's that politician guy who got elected and they realized that wasn't his real name. His real name is Anthony DeVolder. And like every single biographical detail essentially that he's told is fake. Oh, I think I heard. Is this this a recent development? Oh, yeah. He is currently sitting in our House of Representatives. Very neat. Sorry, I'm very out of touch with politics right now. He said his mom mom died in 9-11, but then also said she died (laughs) in a completely different year. Uh, But then it turns out records show that she was in, I think, Brazil at the time of 9-11 for many years. She lived there. It's not like she was on vacation. And then Oh, goodness. There's so many. He's just oh, a, yeah. a web of lies, but just one of these compulsive liars. Like, what is oh, wrong yeah, with I you? Know these, I've been working on a person like this. Yes, how, yes. How can our um, population support your existence <laughs> in this world? <laughs> but it's so common. It's like People just do agent this. Agent of chaos. They think like, well, okay, I, I know that X is true, but I don't have a perfect example mm-hmm. of X being true. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm just going to create the prototype. Mm-hmm. And then once that gets everybody moving, that's going to push the science along and we're going to find the real thing. And mm-hmm. I'm actually going to be sort of a hero. No, this is not how it goes down. Don't do it. Don't do it. Yeah. Don't do it. Yeah. Good advice. Thank you. And the key to remember is the reason we know that those are fakes is because other scientists came along mm-hmm. and said, wait, wait, wait a second. This doesn't add up. What's mm-hmm. going Hey, no, this isn't real. Oh, someone glued this together. This is actually a pig's tooth, mm-hmm. as in the case of the Nebraska man. And were they other people who believed in evolution? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And, and Which puts them in the shittiest position. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, don't do it. Oh, we've got to take that out of the museum. So yeah, A, don't do it. But also B, usually the reason we know that science went wrong is because better science yeah. came along, did all the work. And then again, they co-opted it and said, ha we're just going to focus on this one example of malfeasance. Mm-hmm. And and then characterize the whole scientific enterprise that way. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay, so the rest of this sign says, after mentioning the frauds, Piltdown Man and Nebraska Man, for example, are now identified as a deliberate fraud and a fossilized pig tooth, respectively. Australopithecus afarensis of Lucy fame was a chimpanzee-like tree-dwelling ape 
while Neanderthals were the fully human descendants of Noah. So Okay, so Neanderthals, okay. Fully human. And they kind of came after Noah. Well, they could interbreed with us. So. Uh-huh. They came after Noah. Descendants of Noah. Yeah, they don't feel the need huh. to place. Yeah, it's it's weird. Like, I get the feeling that they want to put forth that everything before the flood was obliterated, that we don't have any fossil evidence, uh, because then that might also raise the issue of like, well, why don't you have human footprints with dinosaur footprints? And why don't you have... Yeah, fossilized poops. Coprolites, yeah. Uh, archaeology, that's what I was thinking of, like r- remains of the civilization that came before Noah. And it, like, I don't mm. see them pointing to anything and being like, oh, that's pre-flood. It feels, oh, right, It feels right. like they really want to just assume everything that's left in the earth happened during the flood. Yeah, oh, that's a good point. Yeah, floods don't wipe out the land. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, in this case, it moves around the land quite a bit. Hmm. Well, uh, just to finish up this sign, it says, so rather than challenging the Bible's claims, these fossil finds are consistent with the scriptural record. Okay. Or <laughs> or you're really pushing your perspective on this. Yeah, calling Lucy just a chimpanzee is uh, not correct. Mm-hmm. Right, right. And we have many examples of Australopithecus, not just that one. Was Lucy hot? I got to take a picture of a good, good picture <laughs> of Lucy. Depends what you're into. Yeah. Okay, hang on. I feel like she probably was. Lucy skeleton. <laughs> okay, I'm looking up Lucy skeleton to see if she's hot. Okay, hang on. <laughs> <laughs> that wasn't the thing to Google. Lucy... <laughs> Um, I don't want to spell that. Okay, wait. In the sky out. with diamonds. That should Ast- get what you're looking for. Trilopithecus. Oh, yeah. Oh, she's cute. Yeah. Yeah, she's pretty cute. But she could walk up, right? Yeah, all right. Oh, yeah. You looking know. at a reconstructed model? Yeah. Yeah, I think yeah, yeah. like on a, during a dry spell. Hey, that's, okay. That's my great 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 Give us a call. So you would be excited by this next picture just because it has a lot of dogs. Oh. mm -hmm. Why don't changes within kind support evolution? We've kind of covered most of these talking points, and they've got this comparison of the two worldviews to kind of go back to Ken's opening talk. Here we go. This is the kind of stuff I'm interested in. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Tell me this philosophy. Do you want to take a look at this? Oh, sure. Yeah, okay. I like seeing how they think. Okay, biblical creation model versus naturalistic evolutionary model. <laughs> okay, so the biblical creation model says Yay. life came from life personally crafted by the uncreated God of the Bible. Oh, interesting they throw uncreated in there. Mm-hmm. Naturalistic evolutionary model says life spontaneously came from non-life. Life is an unintended natural phenomenon. Boo. <laughs> the biblical model says animals were created as distinct kinds 6,000 years ago. Naturalistic model says all animals have descended from a common ancestor at least 3.5 billion years ago. 
Okay. Yep. Mm -hmm. Bible says changes within kinds are the result of design features. Mm -hmm. And naturalistic model says changes that animals undergo are purely undirected natural phenomena. <laughs> okay. Undirected. Okay. Uh, okay. You know, this feels, never mind. This, we'll this feels that. redundant of them. I feel like by this point, we know all of this, but okay. Yeah. Skimming down a little bit. They've um, made these points, but I think they're hoping by now you're going to look at these two columns and be like, Oh, yeah, that's nice. And ooh, that makes me feel elevated and cared for and made by a designer. But oh, this other side, oh, what a laughable story they've concocted. Right. And bad, tragic, but yeah. tragic world. And, and it didn't come from them carefully observing the efforts of tens of thousands of scientists. Mm. No, this is something they came up with to avoid responsibility right. to the true creator God. Okay, so the last two items say that in the biblical creation model, death is an unnatural enemy introduced by Adam, one that will be removed by Jesus Christ. Mm. And the naturalistic model says death, like life, is a meaningless yeah. chemical <laughs> phenomenon. A me burr, burr. Meaningless chemical phenomenon. Okay. Well. An MCP. Well, we are creatures that create meaning and we find meaning in life. Yeah, so yeah. suck an egg. <laughs> yeah, life isn't terribly fun to me if you tell me what it's all about. Yeah. So right next to that, they talk about these evolutionary shortcomings. So they rail against the whole idea of life coming from non-life, which admitted that's a tough problem. How do you mm -hmm. get living matter from non-living matter? As far as we know, it's only happened once. Um, so yeah, that takes some explaining. I did it. But I think from their perspective, they're like, well, stop thinking about it, <laughs> which is the end of science. You know, like, <laughs> well, that didn't happen. Mm -hmm. Whereas... Stop thinking about it again being the story of Genesis. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Knowledge bad. But then science is like, well, let's try to crack this one and see, okay, well, what does life mean? And what kind of things could start the self-replication process? Mm -hmm. and yeah, a lot of good work has been done on that, but this uh, this group wants to pretend it hasn't. Did you ever read Freedom Evolves by Dan Dennett? I haven't. Oh, Freedom Evolves is really good. If yeah. anybody's interested in sort of theory around how life happened. Yeah, I'd really like really to good. read that one. Okay, awesome. He's a philosopher of science, so it's um, you know, sort of more the the mechanisms and the ideas instead of necessarily the minutia of how those things would happen. Uh, I've got another recommendation from the other end of like someone who actively is researching the origin of life and gives like a really detailed account of how it could have gone down. Of course, we'll never know exactly how it went down, but sure. how it plausibly could have. And that's by Nick Lane. It's called The Vital Question. Okay. They also talk about panspermia and the idea that's been thrown out there that maybe life was seeded by life from another planet. And then they correctly say this alien proposal passes the buck on the original problem. If life could not evolve from non-life on Earth, then, you know, had to happen somewhere else. Oh, and then they have to, of course, attack living in a material world. Ooh, look at that, a little Madonna reference. Mm -hmm. A huge problem for naturalistic thinking is its foundation in materialism. Boo. The belief that only matter exists. However, morality, laws of logic, and mm -hmm. laws of nature are all non-physical. For example, no one can swing by a grocery store and buy two ounces of logic, a bag <laughs> of natural law, and a carton of morality. In a universe without Aww. laws or logic or laws of nature, how could anyone prove that naturalistic evolution has occurred? How could anyone know anything at all if our thoughts are merely chemical reactions? Oh, no. Oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> Um, I mean, on the on the one hand, this is this is true. You can't hold a moral. That's true. But something existing 
in space and time is a separate question from something existing in thought. Mm-hmm. Th- this just seems so lazy to me. Like you really haven't spent much time thinking about it, have you? Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, they're different phenomena. But one is an emergent property that when you do get a sufficiently complex thinking machine, such as we, yeah, you get these other things that emerge that don't exist as physical phenomena. Those moments can be so jarring because then you're like, oh, so you're not you're not dealing with these questions really at all. And mm, then it, mm-hmm. it reshapes everything else you've just seen in the arc. Yeah. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it must. Well, it's just a really clear window into the pre-commitment. Yeah, yeah. But, but... I just had this experience with a totally different topic, but yeah. where I was talking to someone and then I had this moment where I was like, oh, you've never thought about this. Yeah. Okay, shoot, 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 shoot. I need to back up. I need to way back up and you're being rude. So now I have to back <laughs> up and I have to like not give you the knife that I want to give you. I have to. Mm, mm-hmm. so that's not going to actually help either of yeah. us. Oh, okay, we are building you're going to be mean, but I'm going to be nice. Great. Yeah. Okay. Uh, but you've never thought about this and I've thought about it a lot. Okay. <laughs> it's, it's so frustrating. But, but also you're very cocky about the fact that you feel so uh, right. enlightened on the topic right. when you clearly aren't. Let's unstack all the bricks that we just built together because there's no foundation here yeah yeah someone just that's frustrating recently on the internet (laughs) um someone wrong on the internet someone was wrong on the internet and i I couldn't believe it hate that they asked me since i since i don't eat animals well what would they do with all the animals if everyone goes vegan Hmm. where will all the animals go (laughs) and i was like oh and we were knee deep in a conversation by the time this happened so i was like okay so you've thought about this for the last half hour. <laughs> like you have never entertained these questions yeah. even a little. Okay, I need to back up so much. <laughs> anyway, I feel like this must give you that feeling. Oh, yeah. I'm reading a book like that right now. No, I, I won't no. even honor it by saying its name. <laughs> it's a stupid book. Oh, man. And then after uh, ragging on materialism, then it really rags on the worst of both worlds. The worst thing you can believe Some people attempt to combine aspects of biblical creation with evolution slash millions of years. This idea contradicts the Bible at numerous points, including the following. Death entered the world when Adam sinned. Thorns and thistles originated with the curse. I'm like, oh God, it is such a, it's a, it's a myth. (laughs) you're, You're pointing out thorns only existing after the curse, citing Genesis 3, 18. Maybe it's true. So we have to we have to turn the whole world on that. Mm-hmm. And also man and woman were created at the beginning of history. Mm. Even Mark 10, 6 tells us that each of these. I even make a museum, you guys. OK, if it's all just that, just keep reading your Bible. Like, why make any of this? Because maybe they realize <sighs> at its basis, it's not that convincing. and They yeah. really need to follow it through. Be mm-hmm. like, we're going to make a big display to really sell this. Yeah. Each of these details are necessarily denied by old earth perspectives and end up undermining the truth of scripture. If we cannot believe God concerning how he made the universe, then why should we believe him about the salvation offered mm. through Jesus Christ? Yes, we, yes. We've come to the real problem. Yep, 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 yep. Saying the quiet part loud again. And then, of course, Archaeopteryx also gets her own display Oh, I haven't heard of Archaeopteryx. That's the uh, the famous transitional fossil species between 
birds and dinosaurs oh, okay. that has kind of features of both. Oh, all right. And actually, when I was at the Natural History Museum in London, mm-hmm. they had the original there. You could go see. Like, oh, wow. Yeah, it was so cool. Shout out London. So they've represented it here. They've created one of their little models of a bird. And they really want you to look at that and be like, oh, well, it's a bird. It's not a dinosaur. It's not mm. at all like a dinosaur. Oh, yeah. It looks like Zazu. The kind of bird that would tell you to get in line. <laughs> Long branded a poster child of evolution, Archaeopteryx poses no difficulty for biblical creationists. Even many evolutionary scientists now reject the idea that Archaeopteryx was a direct ancestor of modern birds, a fact that often remains unrecognized on a popular level. There is a deep lack of consensus among evolutionists regarding the origin of modern birds. New fossil specimens, as well as the way in which some researchers now define birds as avian dinosaurs, have sparked disagreements on how to classify Archaeopteryx. Regardless of how people classify it, only animals within a created kind are related. (laughs) We're just restating the premise. Okay, you're begging the question. And kinds never change into other kinds. Archaeopteryx was neither a missing link nor a hodgepodge of different animal traits. Rather, this creature was a complete, fully functioning, and fascinating bird. So that one part about how now experts don't even think it's in the lineage between dinosaurs and birds. What do you make of that? I'm not familiar with that debate. My guess would be that uh, there's probably... Some fine-grained taxonomical discussion about like, okay, what do we do with these? Or mm-hmm. the way they met, the way they said that that they're not the ancestor of modern birds could mean, yeah, maybe it was an offshoot that went a different direction or something like that. Right. I feel like they're probably giving us a very selective understanding of this debate. Yes. And maybe how vociferous it is, but mm. they just want to point to look at these scientists; they can't even agree amongst themselves. Mm-hmm. So I'm not, I'm not familiar with that, and I didn't try to look it up, but. Uh, My guess is they're making a lot out of a little. Mm -hmm. So that was the Animal Kinds exhibit. So it's this little sidebar that you go into. It's like a little self-contained exhibit. And they have a lot of these now that will take up the second and third floor. Uh, So right next door, there's another little like you walk through again onto the port side of the boat barge. And this one's called Animal Care. And it's all about how did they take care of the animals? And again, it feels like, are you just trying to use up space? Because you already <laughs> explained all of this yeah. before. And it's a lot of the same information about- Are we going to find out how they got them on there? Yes. Okay. Yes, we uh, will. Oh, I meant, but not in this room. Not in this room. Okay, gotcha. So it's all about explaining the, the different cages that they designed and how you can feed animals who require special diets. Koalas maybe could eat something other than eucalyptus. That's happened. But, uh, mm. or God could have provided eucalyptus and they could have brought it. Yeah, God can do anything. <laughs> Why are we doing any of this? That's always the great uh, excuse. Yeah. Yes. What about medical care? Oh, veterinary that's care. Funny that you should mention that. Thank yeah, they, you. they did point to like a little part of the room and said, like, hey, well, they probably had like a little pet hospital uh, where they could bring animals when they needed tending. So, yeah, these like eight people and their thousands of animals yeah. probably had a little tiny ICU. Great. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Animal maintenance. The enclosures on the Ark were surely well-designed and sturdy. However, some cages probably required special repairs while housing wild animals for a year. In the event that an animal became sick or injured, the Ark would need the necessary supplies to nurse these creatures to health. How many human beings are there on the Ark again? Eight. Eight. Okay, I was right. Okay. And 6,744 animals. I used to work at an animal sanctuary. Okay. (laughs) And they were farm animals, so they were mostly very docile. 
and <laughs> no t-rexes <laughs> no t-rexes and i think at our height we had about 300 animals total, most of whom were the lion's share of which were chickens. And you were able to take care of all of them by yourself, right? No. And there were, yeah, probably 15 people who worked there and it was still a full-time job Mm -hmm. and a pig would get out and we'd all have to chase the pig down the freeway. You know, like it's it's so much. Yeah, fair. I don't think this happened. You don't think this happened? I'm starting to think. None of this ding-dong happened. (laughs) Fair point. Thank you. So, uh, yeah, they talk about how they would have dealt with large animals and fed them water and food and uh, show off some of these little structures that they built that they think that uh, Noah could have built. This was really interesting. They had this whole section on dealing with water and waste, essentially like how do you deal with pee. Mm -hmm. So they created this whole system where you had troughs So the animals would just do you a favor and pee where you wanted them to. Mm -hmm. And then the liquid (laughs) would all like run down these troughs and then meet in a large central area. And I'm thinking, oh, that smells so bad. This whole place would smell atrocious. Uh, But then they had this big central water storage where they would collect all of this wastewater and then pump it out into the ocean out of hole. Into the flood. This looks like Swiss Family Robinson stuff here. Like they've come up with these really elaborate, like, uh, I don't know, I think at the treehouse at uh, Disneyland, Disneyland before yeah. Tarzan, where they've got like these little like buckets on a pulley, you know, that are going around in a circle and they're carrying this and dumping it out. And then it's being bilged out into the ocean. Uh, and then similarly, they've worked out this whole system with solid waste. So they would muck it and then get it into this large central area and then wash it out to sea. Yuck. And then they've even worked out these ways that ventilation could have happened with the windows at the top. There is one little line in the arc description when God is telling him how to build it. He says like, create the roof up until one cubit from the top. And like the wording is so hmm. ambiguous. I remember even as a Christian, like trying to envision like, what, what is the direction he's giving there for building it? But essentially they're saying there could have been little windows toward the top that okay. were maybe shielded from the greater elements. Or they could have created a, I've never heard this before, a moon pool. But apparently it's this giant reservoir that has no bottom that actually like is open to the water beneath. Hmm. And then like with tidal action, if the, the boat is like lifting or air is somehow like getting underneath it, then that could bring in fresh air that gets pushed through the arc. Anyways. Hmm. Th- is this a real thing? Yeah, apparently. That's neat. Though I wonder how often the arc would actually be getting air or lifting so high that it would get off of the waves. Yeah. But anyways, so th- they've worked out that and other potential methods of ventilating this place so it wouldn't smell like you think it would smell yuck and they also put thought into lighting so they have all these little dioramas and even videos that you can watch yeah they show okay here's how you'd open up these top things and it would let some light in and you could have oil lamps and yeah or god can just shine a light through the top you have god in this story yeah he made a light before there was a sun or moon or stars so yeah that's right if you need an out you've got god there but you know what special kind of space Noah had to have made for his animals. Mm. Like if they weren't sick or if they weren't having problems breathing mm-hmm. or defecating or whatever, he probably needed. I guess he'd want something that had like like sides that were fairly equal in length. Yep. You're thinking what I'm thinking. Okay. And he probably would have called it the square, square space. space. Yeah. Yes. That's yeah. what I was thinking. And you know, and I bet that's even what he would need if Noah were to create a website. 
Mm. I bet if Noah created a website, he would do it at squarespace.com and he would make it about his completely bonkers beliefs. He's Um, a smart guy. Yeah. He's He's probably literate. That's going to come up. Mm -hmm. You said he would make a website to tell you about his ideas. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I said completely bonkers beliefs, but yes. um, (laughs) uh, And I, I would read it. I would read it voraciously. Yeah, and it would, like every article would start with, you're all going to die. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it would be intense. Anyway, Noah, if you're listening, Squarespace is the all-in-one platform for building your brand and growing your business, which, reminder, is an arc <laughs> online. And Noah, you can stand out with a beautiful website, engage with your audience, and sell anything, Mm -hmm. anything, preferably (laughs) something legal. But that could be your products, content you create, even your time, Noah. You've got a lot of time, too. You're an old man. Yeah, if you want to get more people on this boat, this is how you do it. You can create pro-level videos effortlessly. Mm -hmm. Actually, honestly, it probably takes some effort, but low. Minimal effort. Minimal effort. The Squarespace Video Studio app helps you make and share engaging videos to tell your story, grow your audience, and drive sales. That's right. Maximal effect, minimal effort. Mm -hmm. Add online booking and scheduling for your classes or sessions to your Squarespace websites. Clients can easily see your availability or reschedule if needed, taking the hassle out of coordinating calendars. Which is such a headache when you're doing this arc. Sure is. So every Squarespace website and online store comes with a suite of integrated features and useful guides that help maximize prominence among search results. Because you don't want this situation Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. where someone's looking up like, I want to go on a cruise. And then they end up going on like a princess cruise when they should be going on your arc. Right, no, right. better SEO. So head to squarespace.com slash ONO for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, use offer code ONO to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. Squarespace. It's for Noah. You know what else I love to talk about, Ross? You know it. You love it. Bras. I know them and love them. Mm-hmm. You know, Third Love has spent years designing bras for your body, listener. That's right. Third Love has been following you around mm-hmm. and staring at you through windows. And Third Love likes what it sketching sees. Sketching your boobs <clears throat> on a piece of paper. Mm-hmm. And now they have made over 60 sizes. Yes, that's right. <laughs> over 60. And they have even invented half cups. So you always get the perfect fit. So really, it's just a matter of finding the best one. Mm-hmm. I bet there's probably five to eight of them that would... Fit. Yeah, there you go. That's a good guess. But there's probably one or two that are That's just right exactly for you. Exactly right. Exactly. So write to Third Love and ask them for the sketch of your particular boobs. And while you're there, ask them exactly how many sizes it is because we know it's fewer than 70, but it's more than 60. You could also use the Fit Finder quiz if you don't buy Carrie's story about them stalking you <laughs> and take in, not taking photos, but drawing illustrations of you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is it's like a, okay. a court uh, artist. <laughs> a court, okay, yeah. <laughs> And if you're looking for an everyday bra or something with more coverage or an unlined style, little extra lift, who knows what it is Mm -hmm. that you want. That's fine. They've got it all. They've got, you know, the fancy, but they got the everyday. Mm -hmm. They got the full of design and they got the simple. And my wife owns Third Love bras as well. So we've also experienced all the advantages of the no slip straps mm-hmm. the lack of the little separate tag with tag. instructions on it. it's just printed right on the bra yeah you don't need a tag like the good lord intended mm-hmm. they all look great 
So ditch bad bras and get a better one that makes you look and feel great. Upgrade your bra and get 20% off your first order at thirdlove.com slash oh no. Whoa, that's 20% off your first order at thirdlove.com slash oh no. They can be anywhere, at your office, in your car, and they are wrong. My mom says that the gray house didn't exist, but she's wrong. He just does it wrong. Someone in your life is wrong about something. Something small, something weird, something vitally important. Only one person has the courage to tell them just how wrong they are. You know what you did was wrong, but your daughter is a liar who eats garbage. (laughs) (laughs) They call me Judge John Hodgman. Listen to me on the Judge John Hodgman podcast. If someone in your life is doing you wrong, don't just take it. Take it to court. Submit your case at MaximumFun.org slash JJHO. Hi, I'm Ketchup. And I'm Socks. And I'm Ball Bearings. And I'm Pigeons. And I'm Water Towers. And I'm Cardboard. Surprise, we're actually humans. Humans making a podcast about those kinds of topics. Because those are real episode topics on the podcast, Secretly Incredibly Fascinating. That's a podcast where we take ordinary seeming things like ketchup and socks and cardboard and bring you the little known history and science and stories that make those things secretly incredibly fascinating. Secretly incredibly fascinating. The title of the podcast. Hear the back catalog anytime and hear new amazing episodes every Monday at MaximumFun.org. So next, we're wandering into Noah land. Ooh. Yeah, like there's nice. there's a little area where he's hanging out in his study and library. Oh, I'm listening. There's room for animals and your own study and library. Okay. That's how big this ark is. And you see this little scene with Noah mm-hmm. and Mzara sitting, not next to each other, but, you know, together they're doing their thing in the little study slash library. And you can walk up to the rail and kind of look around, see what stuff they got. Cool. Yeah, this feels very much like Knott's Berry Farm. (laughs) Totally. And you've got this globe that they have. So I guess these people believe the earth is round. Weird. Right. Yes. Uh, That was covered in my book. Not only round, but spherical. So the world that perished. They've got a little sign under Noah's globe that looks like it's uh, carved out of rock, but it's got like kind of a lighter color for the supercontinent and then a darker color for the, uh, the ocean. So the world that perished, what was Noah's perception of the pre-flood world? Based on a number of observations, many ancient people understood that they lived on a spherical planet. There is no reason to think that the people of Noah's day would have thought the earth was flat. They were highly capable of exploring and mapping out their world. No. All supposition. That's like pure supposition. Yeah, yeah. And not even trying to make your case for it. Just say it and move on. Yep, that's it. That's not true. Why why (laughs) do they even think any of that happened with like Copernicus and Galileo? The best thing I can think is that they needed to write something on the sign. (laughs) Huh. Uh, They were talking about things that they might have kept. Little memento. Oh, you're still worrying about that one. Yeah. No, you're right. I'm trying to think how they're working out in their minds because this is all before that. You'd think they'd accept, like, sure, they knew, they thought the earth was flat, they were wrong. <laughs> mm-hmm. You'd think they'd just say that. You know, they didn't know about germs, they didn't know about the earth being flat. I mean, round. I think they want to just nip in the bud any suggestion that the Bible supports a flat earth. Right, right, but they're not thinking it through. Yeah, and they're not, they're not making any displays where they 
compare the arguments for a flat earth versus a round right. earth or anything like that because that's not their bailiwick. They don't care about that. Yeah, because they, they but don't see that as a problem they, for their faith. Yeah. But what they do want us to think of is the people from the pre-flood times as being smart. They want to make sure that we're okay with the idea of smart people because, well, I they am. have to build this ark. Yeah, I'm okay with them being smart, but that doesn't mean they knew the earth was round. <laughs> yeah, fair. It's a bunch of things I don't know that future generations will know. It doesn't make me an idiot. You have to, yeah, wait for Eratosthenes to come along and figure it out. Well, uh, they also have like a bunch of their little mementos and things that tie in with the book, like this belonged to Mzar, or this is something that uh, they got on their wedding day. So they've got little things sitting around this uh, library slash study. She's reading a letter and there's a bunch of scrolls next to her. There's like a cabinet filled with scrolls. And the next room will have a ton of scrolls. So these were literate people. It's important that we know that as well. Okay. They're yes. smart. They're literate. I, I didn't think Noah was stupid. They were artistic. You've got but, little... Uh, these are interesting portraits of their sons on the wall. Yeah, kind of creepy. Yeah, a little creepy. Interesting. Looks like something you might find in the Haunted Mansion almost. Totally. They're <laughs> they're looking like up and to the left in a weird way. Like yeah. something just entered the room and they don't like it. <laughs> <laughs> but I feel like if I moved, they would follow me with their uh-huh, eyes too. Totally. Okay. And then you've got like uh, food and grains and stuff sitting around. So, you know, nice little, uh, nice little hangout area. And then Noah's sitting at his study and he's writing on a piece of paper. Now I keep meaning to like sit down and I took enough photos that like I can see what the writing is on most of these things. Cause there's a lot of this script that clearly goes from right to left. It looks a bit like a Semitic script, Okay. but Tim already told me that it's just English language, like direct transliteration where like each letter mm in English has its uh, letter in this like script. Like when you invent a code when you're in middle school. Yeah, yeah. Okay. It's, or like, you know, the Indiana Jones ride. Like, yeah. oh, you need a little cipher code. And I finally looked online to see if like anyone had posted this somewhere and I couldn't find it. So I am going to task myself with sitting down to decode okay. these messages at some point. I haven't done it yet though. What if you decode it and it's like, hi, Ross. Whoa. <laughs> That'd be amazing. We knew you'd be here. Uh-huh. <laughs> Uh, so you've got Noah, uh, again, sitting there writing. He's got a little uh, dove right next to him. Oh, yeah. Look at that. Keep that alive, Noah. And and there's little signs. I don't really know why they're addressing this here now, but they're talking about Methuselah. We've talked about him, well-known for being like the longest-lived person ever, ever recorded, uh, if you want to take that account seriously. Uh, I thought this was interesting. They talk about Lamech, his father. What do we know about the father? Well, Noah's father passed away five years before the flood at the age of 777. Lamech longed for an end of the curse on the earth due to man's sin. When he named Noah, he stated, this one will bring us rest from our labor and from the painful toil of our hands because of the ground that the Lord has cursed. And so you have to look at that and wonder, did Noah bring us rest, rest from, from our, our labor, labor and from the painful toil of our hands? Boy, when I see someone who builds a ship for decades, I think, what a labor savings. I mean, if by killing us all, he gives us rest. Well, well okay. that's true. That's true. But that doesn't seem like quite the best summation mm-hmm. of uh, of his effect. Yeah, just thought it was strange. That was uh, supposed to be the prophecy around Noah's utility. Yeah. But what's really cool is that Noah is an animatronic, and you can ask him questions. Whoa! It's like um, the Magic Castle, where you can you can whisper a sound. Mm-hmm. You, can, you can whisper the name of a song to the ghost pianist, and she'll play it. Mm-hmm. Irma, right. 
So uh, this is, as we've mentioned, a pretty nice animatronic, uh, you know, everything's mm-hmm. top notch here. And there's a menu, like a little touchscreen menu, and they give you 14 questions that you can ask Noah. Oh. Why? Well, oh, you thought he would like hear your voice? Yeah, and, like, I thought I could like interact. Or with there him. was someone somewhere like yeah. uh, hiding in a, in a little box. Yeah. And they've got a tube right in front of them and they speak for Noah. That would be cool. Yeah. Well, sorry. But your question would have been question number one. Okay. How did you find all of the animals? Yeah, I want to know how I found them. I'm more interested in how he corralled them onto the ship, but I'm also interested in finding. Well, that is contained in his answer. Okay. How did I find all the animals? Well, it really wasn't hard to find the animals since God brought them right to me, just as he said he would. I just wondered when he would send them. We were nearly finished building the ark when hundreds of spectacular animals arrived. (laughs) I should have known. God's timing is perfect, and he always keeps his promises. Why didn't he just bring you a boat then? Yeah, that's a good point, because God, having just created the arc with a snap of his fingers, I think would be less amazing of a miracle than having all the animals in the right numbers choose to just wander off to the right part of the supercontinent to board this arc. Yeah, this didn't happen. Well, then you have to ask Noah, how were you able to fit all of the animals? And he says, eh, not too difficult. God knew just how big the ark needed to be. God did it. His instructions were perfect, even though they were very minimal. Um, I was right about my guess. Yeah, you were. Yeah. Yep. God did it all right. That's the answer. It was a safe guess, but it was right. Absolutely the answer. How many animals were on the ark? Uh, About 1,400 kinds, fewer than 7,000. They didn't want him rattling off the exact numbers that they figured out, but figured they'd put him in the ballpark. He said, oh, you could talk to Shem. He was in charge of all the details. Clever. Uh, every now and then the details whenever you would like press on one of these he would usually start with a hmm good question Mm. and I think it was the same actor who played Noah in those two films that we saw oh probably who was doing this voice so did we look up his name I did but I can't remember Mm. I'm sure he's very cool cool dude (laughs) yeah Noah if you're listening oh this is interesting I'm just now noticing that there's some of the script on the sign that says learn about life on the ark oh I wonder if that could be a little key for me oh your I'm uh, g- your I, little code yeah i'm gonna figure this out I'm okay figure out where you're writing on all these parchments i hope it's dirty i hope it's dirty, I hope it's dirty. <laughs> <laughs> uh number four why are these birds here <laughs> why are these birds here That's a- <laughs> inquiring like minds want to know child's bored child's question uh, apparently Mzara was always good with animals and she tried having different animals send messages for her and these birds were the best okay so that's why you got the dove there do you, seems like you're just making this shit up if you don't press a button for a while he'll say do you have any more questions mm. so you keep hitting buttons so number five is how long have you been married Oh, I should know this one. And Zara's oh listening. Boy. Uh, a little over 550 years. Oh, jeez. Uh, though he jokes that she doesn't Men. look a day over 400. Oh, that- <laughs> what was the world like before the flood? Ah, good question. When I was a young boy, much of the world was beautiful. And many people still loved and served the creator. But the the generations that followed grew extremely corrupt and violent. The world became such a dreadful place. 
God is now washing it clean. The next question was, what are you working on right now? And he says, I'm actually documenting some of the horrible things that happened before the flood so I can warn my children and their children. Too bad those writings didn't survive unless it's just that tiny little skeletal account we get in the Bible about giants and metalworking music. What's your favorite kind of animal? We've talked about that. He likes the the little hovering bird that can fly in all directions. Oh, hummingbird? Yeah. Aw. So then, of course, cool. and of course, the next question is, what's your least favorite kind of animal? And he's like, well, all of them. My wife. <laughs> oh, <laughs> Noah. <laughs> he said, oh, of course, all of God's creatures are wonderful, but I don't like that little bird. And they stop to play the little sound of a woodpecker in the distance. Uh, like, oh, sure. <laughs> yeah. Pecking at the a shipbuilders do not, and wooden mm-hmm. shipbuilders do not like a woodpecking bird. Uh, they complain about the noise. Number 10, how did you know to build an ark? Well, we know that answer. God gave him basic instructions. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. God yeah. has control of all the animals. Use the woodpecker to make your boat. Yeah? Yeah, like make it a hammer. It's a living hammer. Are you saying like the woodpecker can slowly peck away all the wood and leave an Yeah, you know, like a sculptor. Yeah. Yeah, God has control of all these animals. He can send them to the ship. God could be like, just set up a giant block of wood, the biggest block you've ever seen. and then a million woodpeckers. They all converge upon it. That such a better story. A sound that you could hear from five miles away. Oh my God. This should be our theology. I, I do like your arc better Thank already. You. Yeah, that is pretty good. How long did it take you to build the arc? He said several decades, so wanted to leave it ambiguous. Isn't it just a local flood? Oh my, local flood? Huh. Who told you that? God said he was going to wipe out all flesh that lived on land. If he was speaking only of a local flood, it seems like God would have told me to move instead of spending decades building this ark. Plus, I wouldn't have needed to bring the flying creatures since they could easily get away from a local flood. Sure, yeah. What if the story didn't make sense? (laughs) That would be so wild, Noah. You think Noah would see us and be like, what are you doing on here? You're not my wife (laughs) or my sons or their wives. Yeah. Get off. Get out. That would be amazing if there were like a little part of the menu you could hit for that. (laughs) My question is, can I please get on even though I've sinned? And he's like, no, fuck you. Get off. Get off. What are you doing? That's the rules. Get off my barge. And finally, number 14, why does your globe only have one landmass? And he says, well, because God made the world with land gathered in one place. And uh, he talks about all of his uh, travels around the globe before the flood and how sad it is that it's all gone now. It is sad, isn't it? Mm -hmm. God did a really shitty thing, didn't (laughs) he? I will say this. Noah sitting in front of that piece of paper, staring off into space like he's hearing voices. I am like, this kind of checks out. Like, this does look like someone who's kind of going through it. (laughs) Okay, yeah. And and I, so I, the the slightly um, uncanny valley in his eyes that, yeah. that sort of resonates with you, like, yeah, this is, yeah, you like would look is, a little bit like a shell of a man. Yeah, yeah. Like, this is a person who probably should get some more sleep, who's maybe <laughs> like hearing stuff in his head that he is taking to be real and he's writing it down on a piece of paper. Like, yeah, that's what this would look Each like. Each one of you on average is responsible for 800 animals. 
Uh huh. Oh, right. Well, I was thinking more like he's he's unwell. <laughs> okay. Yeah. He hears God. Sure. Not a, never good. Though to get this far in the story, you really need God to be real. Yeah. I feel like I don't know. I feel like this is the this is the veil falling for a moment. Okay. Okay. I like in, it. In my head. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and they've got various implements around, and they're all kind of storytelling or tied to those book accounts that I've been talking about. There's like little sculptures of a tree. I assume this is one of the trees from Eden. Yeah, you know, it's a it's a nice little area, but it feels very, um, like I say, Swiss Family Robinson. Yeah. Uh, right next door, then there's another nice large area with the study. So this is just, Ooh. yeah, a ton of scrolls and yeah, really cool woodwork. And they've got these kind of diamond shaped shelves where they've just stacked scroll after scroll. And boy, it would be nice to know what all that writing was, because that's certainly <laughs> not what was preserved in the biblical account. Okay, so then you walk next door to that. And on your left, again, there is uh, a diorama and it's of woodworking. So you see one of the sons, Japheth, is busy. Ooh. Okay. Cutting some boards and various implements and tools. And yeah, they're still doing active woodworking, probably fixing some animal cages. At least there's no metalworking. Thank God. Uh Uh-oh. When you go next door. Do not tell me. Do not tell me. Next door is the blacksmith shop. Oh my God. There's metalworking happening on board. Well, as the signs let us know, we know that Tubal Cain was a metalworker. And so that technology was out there and it's not inherently evil. Okay. So Noah could have learned how to work uh, metal and so could see which son is this. I think that's Ham. Wait, it's not inherently evil? Didn't they make us think it was? No, they were just really struggling to make seven signs. And they knew that metalworking was mentioned. Yeah. And so they're like, well, there's a very negative aspect of metal making. So what is it? uh, You can make weapons. Oh, weapons. You think that's what they're getting at? Yeah. Okay. Because like when they had that little mural, they showed like this guy with all of these gleaming torture instruments that he okay, created. Okay. Okay. So here we go. There, you know, there could have been metal, and they they seem to want to say, okay, maybe the ark was made without metal, and we can explain it that way. But yeah, he probably had the technology. He could have used metal. So here we go. Okay. We, we got like a little we'll change everything about your whole deal, but okay. Smelting setup, and then. Each of these uh, sons in his respective uh, area, they've each got like one half of their chest exposed and they're all very burly and uh, handsome looking. Yeah, yeah. They look like they were just at the gym. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, he is swinging a mallet, you know, uh, making a, I don't know what that is, a crowbar? It seems like a bent crowbar. (laughs) Yeah. Huh. Right. It doesn't seem useful what he's doing. (laughs) He's like bending it into an L, but a bad one. Yeah. Maybe he's making a plowshare or something. No one on Noah's Ark as well. (laughs) People are doing really poorly. <laughs> yeah, this is all for show. I don't think he's making something uh, real. Uh, then we get another exhibit called Who Was Noah? Oh, don't we know by now? Yeah, I really feel like this one was um, just filling up space. They're yeah, like, it's like they made this huge ship and then they afterward were like, oh my God. This is this really is big. huge. Why did we make it 510 feet? We should have used a smaller cubit. Yes. We don't have enough exhibits to oh, go in all okay, this Okay, let's just say the fourth level is <laughs> just storage. And there's so little that the Bible tells us about Noah and they're just trying to draw this out and they're even using like verses from the New Testament well, Hebrews 11, you know, to talk about him there. So on this one sign, it says, what does the Bible say about Noah? Well, He walked with God, Genesis 6, 9. He was a righteous man and a preacher of righteousness, Genesis 7, 1. He faithfully followed God's instructions, 
Genesis 6.22 and Hebrews 11.7. So uh, there we go. That's okay, all. Okay, what a boring that's, guy. That's all we know about Noah. Also, there's this no is question mark on that sign. You're right. What does the Bible say about Noah? Noah period. Well, not even Not a even a period. No punctuation. Good what point. does the Bible say about Noah? <laughs> <laughs> that's the correct way to read that. Uh, yeah, and then there's a bunch of illustrations of what his life could have looked like. You know, some nice drawings, but yeah, really a waste of space when you think about it. We we kind of know all this, and it did not take a whole room to explain. Yeah, dude. Like, kinda get looks, the Constitution up in there or something. Looks a little bit like a uh, Scientology display here, doesn't it? A little. Yeah, just design-wise with the big stand-up in the middle of the room. Okay, then I think... This is my favorite one on the whole floor. Next, we come to fairy tale arc. Okay. Yeah, Carrie's excited I'm now. Listening. Okay. We got cute little bears. We got cute little lions. I gotta say, like I was walking down this hallway and I could see that there are all of these three-dimensional animals poking out of the wall ahead in this facade of like an arc within an arc. Mm -hmm. And I'm having to look at like, who was Noah? And look at the blacksmith. (laughs) And I'm like, I want to get down there and see these cartoon (laughs) animals. Because we've got like an elephant that looks kind of like Dumbo on top. And we've got... Yeah, this is all very Disney adjacent. A bear that looks drunk. This is all very Disney. You just go ahead and sue us. We barely didn't use your characters. (laughs) Got like a toucan and uh, like a lioness. And yeah, they're... Hippo, they're all cartoony, and this is just fun and colorful. But I thought they hated this. They hate the cutesy Noah's Ark. Look at that zebra, how surprised he is. Yeah, they do. So this is to let you know how bad it is. And Really? Yes. Wait, what? So let's go inside and take a look. This is the most appealing part of it. Yep, but deceptively so, Gary. Oh, no. So inside, when you walk in, there's this like polished wooden floor reflecting this lit wall full of artistic representations of the Ark, making it look like a kid's plaything. Which we hate. We hate it, yes. So yeah, we're going to make it the most attractive and inviting (laughs) exhibit on What's the devil? Entire What's arc. wrong with these people? Well, speaking of the devil, so as you walk into your left, uh, there is a red snake. That's right, the serpent. Okay. This is a physical thing, like a model of a snake, and it's surrounding a sign, mm. and the sign says, If I can convince you that the flood was not real, then I can convince you that heaven and hell are not real. Well said. Thank you. And when you look at it with a snake draped all over it, yeah, if I can convince you that the flood was not real, then I can convince you that heaven and hell are not real. You know, they got a point. Yeah. It's not that slippery of a slope. It's... Yeah. I mean, no, I mean, yeah, this is what we said on the first episode. Like, there's at least a certain honesty here about this. Mm-hmm. On the other side, they have <laughs> a little model of their arc. And yeah, what does this one say? <laughs> and everyone died except the eight people in the arc. Genesis 7.23. Yeah, this is where you depart a little from Disneyland. You've got the same lovely <laughs> signage, but it's like, and everyone and died. everyone died. <laughs> clap, 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 clap. <laughs> then when you face this wall that's, uh, you know, beautifully lit, and you've got all of these different uh, artistic representations, uh, you see, I don't know. Which like we hate. Books and lunchboxes and play sets. Ugh. Many of them have giraffes sticking out the top, or you see like a big smiling elephant or zebra poking its head out 
Then there's a big warning scroll. It says, warning, cute arcs are dangerous. They distort God's word and ultimately malign his character. Oh, that's so intense. And there's got to be kids running in here who are like, yay, we finally got to the good fun part. And the parents are walking around. <laughs> like, and it no, takes no, no, them it's not while. fun. It's not fun. This is actually really bad. I bet it takes them a while, though, to see this freaking warning sign. Mm-hmm. Like everything seems positive if you don't know their particular yeah. weird hang up about this. It's an awfully stern warning this close to the bow. <laughs> <laughs> so true. It was worth it to watch the realization spread across Carrie's face. And disappointment. Ross made a terrible, <laughs> terrible pun. Okay, and then, so they've got, I don't know, like five or six like shelves of all of these things they must have plucked out of the wild of actual like arcs. And they're like, oh, this is bad. Let's put it in the display. But then they've got books open explaining the seven D's of deception. Mm. Disregarding God's word. And again, we're talking about like mainstream Christianity doing these things. Right. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, in popular culture as well. Yeah. But it's like, oh, Bible tells us it was 300 by 50 by... By 30 cubits and they're trying to make it look like this tiny thing barely bigger than the animals are <laughs> goodness the next d of deception distorting the message which is strange because it feels uh, very similar to disregarding god's word but sure we need <laughs> seven d's of deception fairy tale arc stories often focus on cute animals on a fun boat ride the flood account is about the righteous and holy God judging an exceedingly <laughs> sinful world with a cataclysmic flood while showing mercy to Noah's family and the animals. Remember, everybody died. Everybody died. Aren't you glad you came here in Kentucky <laughs> instead of Disneyland? God. Next D of deception, deceptively cute. Not a D. <laughs> and, well, I mean, I accept that it's deceptive. Wait, yeah, deceptively the 70s cute. of deception and one is deceptively cute? Yep. No. (laughs) That's recursive. (laughs) Next D, discrediting the truth. I mean, these are all restatements. We didn't need any of this. Why do you have to make it D? It's like Isaac Newton saying like, well, I see six colors, but I'm going to add indigo (laughs) because I want seven as a holy number. D, destructive for all ages. We don't need one D here. Kimberly Meredith is stuck at five D and Mm -hmm. they've moved way beyond. Good point. Disorienting the reader. Okay. Uh, Disorient? You're not making new points here. And defaming God's character. Okay. By treating Noah's Ark and the Flood as fairy tales rather than sobering reminders of divine judgment on a sin-filled world, these storybooks frequently trivialize the Lord's righteous and holy character. Yeah, we are not saying anything new. Yeah, so a lot of restatement, but my takeaway is like, oh, I love all these art displays. So fun. Yeah, all these cute little animals. Thank you for finally showing them to us. (laughs) Seriously. Yeah, I wonder how they'd feel if you came out and you were just like, oh, I loved that one room. <laughs> that was great. With all the cartoon animals. Ah, oh, you guys did such a good job. Mm-hmm. So after you come out of that display on the second deck, as you're reaching the end of the hallway, now we have the big door. So there's a door to the ark that all of the animals would have walked up and into, mm-hmm. and it's on the second deck, okay. the way they've built this. Gigantic door, okay. so your tallest of animals could fit through it. And we've already established it's kind of like their metaphor for salvation, you know, like entering through this door. But right before it, there's a very interesting display to the left, and it shows one of the wives 
sitting there pondering. Oh, not looking happy. Okay. She is. You are right. She is not looking happy. And it says, struggling to come to grips with the reality that everyone outside the ark died in the flood. Japheth's wife, Raina, ponders sincere questions many people wrestle with today. Yeah. And it says above her, help me understand. Oh, man. Yeah. Depression sets in. One sign says, why does a loving God allow so much death and suffering? Don't worry. We'll take care of it in three paragraphs. No (laughs) problem. Okay. 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 Let me guess. You need free will. Uh Uh-huh. You got to follow God and tests, something about testing, uh-huh. um, and uh, a builds character. Okay, we're certainly in that neighborhood. Okay, free oh, will's got to be in there. The Bible states that one day death and suffering will be no more. Oh, Right now, sure. God is patiently delaying the final judgment to give people time to turn to him. That's so sweet. At some point, you're going to have to stop waiting. And then what will be the rationale at that point that we've processed enough souls that enough people have had the chance? Yeah, I guess. Like at some point you got to stop. So why not now? Mm -hmm. What are you waiting for? Mm -hmm. Okay. Getting back to the sign. We need to understand that as sinners, we all deserve to die. However, disagree through Jesus Christ. God has provided the way for us to spend eternity with him in a place where there is no suffering, sorrow, or pain. Mm -hmm. Death will finally die. That did not answer the question at all. Yeah, though the thing you just said, they try to address on the other side. They give some Bible verses here. Second Peter 3, 9, the Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise. He is patient toward you. (laughs) Disagree. Yeah. Uh, So slow to fulfill his promise. So slow. Yeah, he said he was coming soon, 2,000 years ago. So slow. Revelation 21, 3 to 4, they will be his people and God himself will be with them. God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. So these are all the uncashed checks that, you know, will happen at some point in the indeterminate future. And in 1 Corinthians 15, 26, the last enemy to be destroyed is death. My husband, Drew, didn't grow up religious. And mm. he, it, this just occurred to him the other day. He mm-hmm. turns to me and, uh, and he goes, wait, wouldn't everyone in heaven be really sad that all their friends <laughs> didn't make it into heaven? Mm-hmm. And I was like... Yeah, this is a thing that's talked about a lot. And I he think, said, oh, I, I thought I'd be the first one. <laughs> yeah, no, they know that. And that's uh, a real problem. Why they really want their loved one to believe with them because heaven won't be as good if you're not there. But then, you know, if you have to, you turn to this verse and say, but all the tears will be wiped away and we'll all be magically happy anyway. So I guess I'll just be fine with you rotting in hell. (laughs) That's interesting because uh, it's kind of the obverse of the ontological argument. The the whole idea that God has to exist because one of his attributes is perfection. Yeah. And existing is more perfect than not existing. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) So on the flip side, uh, if heaven is the most perfect, wonderful place, well, then you can't have remorse for the people who aren't there. Right. The very fact of missing someone being there makes it not heaven. Yeah, yeah. That's what I was telling him. Like, yeah. I mean, the, the the strict answer is don't worry about it. You're going to be happy anyway. Yeah, you won't you won't remember me because that could only bring sadness. Yeah. Nah. That's the uh, that's the official line is don't worry. You actually don't love those people that much. So we have a sign here that says, is God cruel? Yes. <laughs> There's just a big yes in uh, yeah. <laughs> size 90 font. It's weird. I don't see the word <laughs> yes here. It says, there is no question that a great deal of evil and suffering is in the world. 
which often leads people to wonder whether a loving God exists. The Bible gives us the correct perspective for understanding why there is so much death and suffering. In the beginning, God created a perfect world and gave man authority over it. Mm-hmm. Our first parents, Adam and Eve, rejected all that God had offered them Puts. and chose to rebel, even though they knew the consequence was death. Death, suffering, violence, and disease, but we're still suffering from their decision. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that sounds quite like which the, uh... again was wanting knowledge. <laughs> yep, yep, yep. That's right. Specifically, a woman. It bears repeating. Wanting <laughs> <Yeah>. an education. <laughs> Malala <laughs> is the villain in this story. Oh yeah, Malala. Malala. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Ridiculous. Uh, another sign. Was it just for God to judge the whole world? First, God created all living things, which gives him authority over them. Since he is the one who gave life, he has the right to take life. Oh, my God. Imagine a parent saying this. Being like, well, I brought you here so I can murder you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Be like, I yeah. take this child away. Yeah. How do we feel about that? Uh, do we agree? Second, God is perfectly just and must judge sin. Third, all have sinned and deserve death and judgment. No. The fact that God allows us to live at all demonstrates his abundant mercy. Oh, this no, is so, it doesn't. So bad. And as if that were not enough, he has provided the way for man to be saved from sin and dwell eternally with him through the sacrificial death and resurrection of his son, Jesus Christ. And I just do not agree. And then finally, another big question you've had all along. Why is death the punishment for sin? Yeah, why? See, they write it here, but the answer they give is death might seem like a harsh consequence for sin. (laughs) This might feel like a little much. (laughs) And they give us, uh, there's footnotes on a lot of these with like Bible verses. So this goes to Romans 6.23, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord, which I think has to be top five verses that I heard in the church. Mm, Like that one gets said so much. But why is the wages of sin death? But we fail to understand the wretchedness of sin compared to God's holiness. God is entirely pure and set apart from evil, and in his perfect justice, he must punish sin. Mm -hmm. Okay. Also, in one sense, death is a merciful punishment. Can you imagine what it would be like to live forever in a fallen world? Wicked people would never die. And if they knew there was no serious consequences for their sin, then they would act however they wanted. The world would become even worse. Okay. So there you go. They, they've they've at least dealt with these hard problems. Yeah, I don't feel dealt with. Well, shucks. I don't know what to tell you. I don't really understand why God being perfect means that he can't be around imperfect things. Like, I'm decent at ice skating. Mm-hmm. And if someone else gets in the rink and they're falling down and, I don't know, terrible at ice skating, I'm yeah. not like, <gasps> I can't even be around this, <laughs> you know? Yeah, it's such a... You just move on. I, I don't kill them. I feel like this is one you have to be raised with and you have to be told many times for it to make any kind of intuitive sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I just don't think it computes. Yeah, I think the idea is supposed to be he's like a force. Like it's like, you know, combining mm-hmm. two magnets that are the same poles or whatever, whatever metaphor you want to use. But it's, you know, it's like, it's not that he doesn't want to be around you, it's just that he def- can't. Definitionally, right. So yeah. well, we can't have it all these ways. Yeah, right. We're having it so many ways. So then if that's convinced you, then right next to this, they have that big door. And there's a sign explaining the significance of the door. And it quotes John 10, 9. I am the door. Whoever enters through me will be saved. 
Jesus is our one door to salvation. And uh, you opened it up, it's an emergency exit. (laughs) (laughs) The ark's door reminds us that we need to go through a door to be saved. Mm. (laughs) Okay. Okay. On the nose. Jesus Christ is our one door to salvation, the ark that saves us from God's judgment for eternity. Is he a door or is he a boat? Come on, get it together, you guys. And then shining on the door, you can see there is the image of? <gasps> the cross. The cross. Wow. Yeah, so there's and a- And pro- the Ross projector right below it. That's right, the cross and the Ross, because I took a picture in front of the uh, door. They even have like a, this is a great little photo spot, so come with your family and get a picture. Uh, and that is the second- <laughs> Deck of the Ark. <laughs> wow, this See, is a big fucking boat. Right? There's a lot on this Ark. It's a really big fucking boat. But we did it. We reached the end. Okay. Not of the Ark. Uh, no, just the second floor. Except <laughs> except that right beyond this. I don't remember ever not talking about the Ark. <laughs> this is your life now, Carrie. Actually, there is a gift shop on this level. Okay. In the bow. Yeah, actually, he's like, okay, this is kind of yeah, cool. No, I like mostly. this area. So, yeah, you approach yeah, here. Like trinket. You, you can buy, yeah, little knickknacks, little tchotchkes. They've got lots of wraps, so you can dress like one of the ladies on the ark. Yes, I see that. <laughs> they've Very also, strange. They've got handbags. It's funny because on the map, it mentions two things that I did not see there. One is that apparently you can get a 3D model replica printed of yourself. So they take a photo of you inside a booth from all different directions, and then they print out a little scale carry at like seven or nine inches tall, depending on Why? how much money you want to spend. <laughs> For what? You cut right to the heart of the issue. That's right. There's no reason this makes any sense because they saw the technology existed and they thought this will be cool. You can say you had this printed of yourself. I mean, are they the- selling arcs that are the size that it would go in? <laughs> no. No? Why? Yeah, I just, because they could. But they never stopped to ask if they should. (laughs) Or whether it will make any coherent sense. I found a website where Ken Ham talks about this and he shows multiple 3D printed sizes of Ken Ham. Why? (laughs) (laughs) It's a good question. What? But I didn't see it there. There was nobody like manning a booth or anything like that. So yeah, I'm not sure if it's still there or not or what. And also on the map, it said not only do you have the 3D portraits, but also there's like a section marked Animal Encounters. Okay. So presumably, you're supposed to be able to interact with live animals or maybe some of these models. But instead, there was just another <laughs> counter where you could buy popcorn or like chocolates uh, and like some kind of cake. So I guess they got rid of the animal encounters. Okay, wait a minute. I just the gift put something shop. together. Yeah. They discovered that caring for a bunch of animals <laughs> on is an enclosed really fucking hard. <laughs> I hope that's what happened. I bet you that's what happened. That would be amazing. Okay, I need to look into this yeah, now. Yeah, we need to find out. Uh, why did animal encounters like, on the second floor go away? <laughs> I bet they had like 10 animals and they couldn't hang. Uh, but then after that, so if you could buy sweets here and you can buy clothing and bags and all kinds of stuff in this nice. Actually, this gift shop was very pleasant, a little Christmassy, I think, because uh Mm. Well, it was May. Why does it still look Christmassy? Anyways. Yeah, there's two Christmas trees um, there. But if that wasn't enough, then like right beyond this, as you head towards the starboard side of the boat and uh, like go to the next floor, there's of course the bathrooms, but also like a little um, kiosk where you can buy drinks or uh, fill up your ARC cup. Okay. If, if you've brought your ARC We talking cup. Coke products? We talking Pepsi products? Pepsi products. Pepsi. Yeah. All right. That, that is actually where and when I saw the man in the Star Spangled shirt. 
mm, buying right. his own Pepsi on the Ark, and I took the most American photo I've ever taken. I love Diet Pepsi. Oh, yeah? Yeah. All right. So much better than Diet Coke. Diet mm. Coke's good, but Diet Pepsi, it's where it's at. It tastes like a saltine. Sugar Coke is gross. It's the most controversial thing you've said this whole episode. <laughs> Probably. <sighs> People are going to be like... For this audience, very possible. I can't believe she said that. <laughs> <laughs> well, Carrie, thank you for walking along the hallway of the Ark with me and, uh, and seeing all the wonders to behold. It really is a boat. <laughs> Actually, I can't even stand by that. It's not in water. I'm trying to think of anything to say about yeah. this thing. It really is an attraction. It really, yeah, okay. I can stand by that. It's okay. an attraction. Okay. And yeah. it's in Kentucky. <laughs> <laughs> it is roadside. There is yep. a road nearby. Yep, 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 yep. Okay. Yep. Great. All right. Well, thanks everybody for coming along. I hope you learned something new. If you're God or the guy who played Noah or who else did we? Ken Ham. Ken Ham. Tim Chafee. Yes. Any woman. Even Kay Marie Adams, who is the co-author on those books. Then we want you to come on this show. We want to talk to you. Yeah, or Doug Henderson. That was the guy who did the modeling. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we'll talk to all of you. Did you have anything at all to do with the ARC? Come on this show. Yeah, usually the women don't get named if they contributed to the arc. <laughs> M. Zara, are you listening? Yeah. <laughs> Come on the show. Yeah, the, the, Malala. the interviewer lady who played Ada. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Films. Yeah. Are you there? Come on on the show. Yeah, let's talk. Malala. <laughs> yeah, we name dropped you in this episode. Yeah. Come talk to Come us. Come on and talk you about want a Nobel Prize. That to Eve you got really nothing better to do. Up. <laughs> Well, that's it for our show. Our theme music is by Brian Keith Dalton. Our administrative manager is Ian Kramer. You can support this and all our investigations by going to MaximumFun.org forward slash join. That's how you get the Maximum Fun. It's mm-hmm. a pretty simple equation. Mm-hmm. You can even uh, go to MaximumFun.org slash Jumbotron and leave a special message for someone special in your life or for your business. That's true. We will read it here. And remember. Why does my globe only have one landmass? That's a good question. Well, when the Creator made the world, He gathered all the water together in one place, which is why you see only one landmass on that globe. Oh, I have traveled and explored much of the land and seen so many great marvels. But that world is gone. Now, buried under the waters of the flood. Hmm. I wonder what the new world will be like. MaximumFun.org Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported.